Do not adjust your radio dial. You are tuned in to the Mark Order Podcast. Join the Mark Order. The Mark Order Podcast here on Shining Wizards Network. Next day, right? It is the most day, wonderful day of the week. Wednesday. Uh, we're live on Shining Wizards Network on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. After. Uh, Dynamite episode, we have a bunch of stuff to talk about. And uh, we're going to break that down. We're going to talk a little bit about Rampage and Origin. There are stakes in the Continental Classic Tournament. And tonight, it's sort of like an impromptu two live crew. That's two uh, for me, two for you. Ryan Sean's here. What's up, Ryan? Hello there. How you doing tonight? Good, Ryan. We're good. Um, how was Thanksgiving? It was wonderful. Delicious food. How was yours? It was good. It was pretty low key. We stayed home and and chilled. So that's always nice when you don't have to go anywhere, you know. And uh, especially when you have a six year old who you have to be like, all right, man. Let's get dressed. Let's get out of the house and do all that shit. So it was nice to not have to do that and just spend the day here at home. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a getting kids out of the house is a whole effort. How was your bird? Delicious. Very, very good. Now, compared to last year's smoked bird, this year's better. better? Wow. Yeah. Did you do but anything? I don't know here? why. Nope. All right. Well, it was just very, very good. Glad to hear that. So, and just remind me, you do just the bird, right? You don't do the sides. Everybody else sort of handles the sides. Yeah. We kind of split up the thing. So I get the bird because, you know, there's actually two birds, two smaller birds. Oh, all right. What is there? Like one, you smoke one. Somebody else has like a regular, uh, baked or we actually just, we just do the turkey breast. So I have two small turkey breasts. Oh, okay. And I, okay. I do them both. And then my sister does something. My other sister does something. Their in-laws do something. And my parent, my mom does a bunch. And she does the ham. Nice. Yeah, we just did a turkey. And I think I, I, th- I think I said it last week. You get that free turkey from the supermarket. We went right up to the max. Your max was 21 pounds. We did 20 pounds. Point, 20 pounds and two-thirds. Or something like that. So did you uh, cook it? So I personally didn't cook it. Uh, my mother-in-law and my lovely wife, Mrs. Money, prepared and cooked the bird. 
and it was delightful. Turkey is not one of my favorite things to eat because I feel like it usually gets dry and doesn't have a ton of flavor. Like it just tastes like turkey. Um, and sometimes, you know, like, you know, you go places are like, oh yeah, I injected it with all this stuff or we basted it and did all that stuff. And it just doesn't taste like anything. It's dry as shit. It was a yeah. really good bird this year. I, you know, nothing changed. I know that they did everything, uh, everything they normally do, but the bird was awesome. And uh, Mrs. Money makes really good gravy. Uh, so I, of course, douse everything in gravy. Uh, there is no safe spot on my plate where anything is dry. So it was good. Yeah, that's, I mean, if a turkey's dry, just throw it out. It's not worth the time. I, I agree. Um, and, uh, and so Ryan, the rest of the weekend, did you do anything now? Are you a black Friday shopper? Hell no. Well, you never know. Sometimes you get surprised. Like you never, you never know. So I wasn't sure you if you were like, hey, get up, get out. enough for that. You know, I'll say this. It used to be much worse. It seems like it's not as bad anymore because everybody does the deals like all month. You know what I mean? And then everything's online. So I feel like the days of camping out at the Best Buy or the Walmart are sort of over. Thank God. I did go out once years ago. <clears throat> I went out once, not because I wanted anything, because I wanted to see what, you know, what the deal was. And um, it was years, years ago. And I got up and went, uh, and I was at the store for whenever they were supposed to be open. Like if the store was op open at five o'clock, we were there probably at like five thirty, quarter to six. Like we made a plan to go and see the chaos and it was fucking chaos. Um, we went to a Best Buy. It was like bedlam. And like, I picked up something that I was like, oh, like I can go for this DVD box set. And then I went to get in the line and the guy was like, oh, the line's over there. And it was on the other side of the floor, but it was facing the opposite direction, going around the entire store. I was like, don't need this. Don't need this. So it always amazed me, though, Ryan, how people would get in like fist fights and shit. I just was like, nothing is worth that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's not. Plus, I always just felt bad for the workers. Yeah. Mrs. Money used to have to work on on Black Friday. She worked. I won't. Uh, she's in the chat. She can say who she works for if she wants to. I won't say it. But she worked for the company, but they had retail locations. She was corporate. And so on Black Friday, they would look for people in corporate to work retail. And there were a few times. All right. She's saying I could say it. She worked for Toys R Us corporate. And so. She would work Black Friday um, in the retail stores. And a couple times, I think once or twice, she'll probably tell me I was wrong. I think once she worked like the early to like midday, but then a couple other times she actually worked like 8 p.m. on, on Thanksgiving to like 4 a.m. in the store. And I stopped in because we actually lived across from um a toys r us location so like where our where our apartment was it was literally five minutes to a store 
So I went down at like two o'clock in the morning. You would have thought it was two in the afternoon. It was wild. It was crazy. And uh, I would never want anybody to have to do that. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I would, I'm glad it, I mean, it doesn't, it won't ever, hopefully never exist again. The only thing I would ever want to see is that, like, you go at like three in the morning to one of these stores. I wouldn't want to go in, but just to see the fact that it's like middle of the day. Um, is Mrs. Money the reason Toys R Us is no longer around? No, mismanagement and um, uh, poor hiring practices are the reason they're not around anymore. And also, paying off a weird de- in debt, incurring debt to pay off an investor, some stupid thing like that it was really stupid. Yeah, and and also, um, I believe, uh, <clears throat> I believe that they're um like store leases like the the way that they set up their leases on their brick and mortar locations were for like 200 years you know what i mean it was something crazy where at the time when you sign it you're like we're not this is never going away and then like it clearly changed so um so yeah it was it was a lot of stuff but ryan like they never really uh they never really uh, embraced online and that fucked them Cause like, you know, how could you not see the writing on the wall? It was pretty wild, but that was crazy. What was crazy? I, Ryan, I swear to God at two in the morning, two or two 30. Cause I was awake. Cause I'm, you know, I usually am awake like all night. Um, I went down there and you would have thought it was two o'clock in the afternoon. Like there were people with shopping carts full. And like waiting online in the store or running around. There were no like, there was no like crazy, you know, fighting or anything like that. But it was just like any other day, you know, any other afternoon or Saturday where people were out shopping, you know, that store was fucking wild. Also, very poor margins on toys. So that also didn't, that was what I wanted to say, Ryan. That probably didn't contribute to their, that probably contributed to their downfall. Yeah, that, that makes sense. But I did hear the worst thing they did was the debt. They incurred debt to pay an investor or something. Well, I have or a buy back stock or something. Yeah, I have a little bit of knowledge about that. Uh, but um, I think one of the investors, right, like the whole thing with the investor who who bought into them. Was like they buy you to flip you like to resell you and if they can't resell you then they they basically you know put you into bankruptcy right and then they like sell everything off they strip it and sell you yep so i think right before that that company invested in them they had already had another investor that they lost all that money on so i think the hope was hey this company's got a great track record of turning things around but there was so much, so many problems already that it was just like strip them and sell them. That's it. Never let a strip them and sell them investor in. You will never works. It was wild though, Ryan. I tried, I tried so hard to get in there, couldn't get in. And I was qual, I was well qualified. Gina fought really hard. And I don't think I'm going, I mean, I don't think I'm going to say anything wrong. Gina's mom worked at Toys R Us corporate. And Gina had tried a couple times to get in and had no luck. And then finally somehow cracked 
found a crack in the door and got in. Um, but, um, it was, it was really hard to get into even for somebody like me, who's got corporate experience, they would look at your corporate experience and be like, but you don't know anything about toy or retail. I'm like, that doesn't fucking matter, man. Like I know how marketing or advertising or sales works. It's the same principles, just a different product. Yep. I literally had somebody tell me you've got great experience and your background is intriguing, but I don't know what I would do with you. And they told me that maybe I could, maybe I could be an assistant manager in a store for it, you know, at some point in the next year and a half. And I was like, thanks. Thanks for your time. Like it was crazy. If you didn't have the store or retail experience, they were like pass next. So that certainly didn't help either. But anyway, now we're yeah. off on tangents. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, I'm glad your Thanksgiving was good. So you didn't do anything the rest of the weekend. Nothing you, major now. Do you decorate for Christmas or do any of that stuff in your, in your, you know, I'm, house? I'm not a Christmas guy. I mean, I like Christmas. I'm not a Christmas decorations guy, I should say. Got it. So I How spent, about you? You guys all decked out? Well, we're not all decked out yet, but I did spend the rest of the three days of the weekend, like working outside doing the lights. So I got a late start on Friday. So starting to put the lights up and we do lights around, you know, the bottom overhang of the house and the top of the house. And then we have some inflatables. We have four inflatables on our front lawn. We've added to them over the years. And Anthony picks one out. Usually he picks something out every year to add to the, to the group. Um, so, um, so we're at four inflatables, the lights, and then we had some other stuff we normally put up, but I didn't put those up. So the first day, because of the late start, um, uh, I started putting the hooks on the house to like hang them. Because if you take, if you don't take them off, Ryan, you look like you look fucking weird all year to have these hooks hanging on your house to hang lights. Like you could see them from the street. So I take them down every year and, um, uh, I'm put, I was putting them up and then when I get to the top, to the second story, right under the roof, uh, I have, the, I have one of those like telescoping poles that you can use and it holds a clip and I basically just slide them in like under the eaves, but it had started to get dark. It was like six thirty, seven o'clock. Maybe it was a little earlier than that, but like, I'd say probably six, six thirty, and it was starting to get cold and I couldn't get these fucking hooks in. And I started to get frustrated. I threw the pole across my lawn at one point. I was like, I'm done for the night. So I went in Saturday. I needed something. I realized I I didn't have something we needed. So we went to the store with Anthony Saturday morning to the Home Depot to get something. Uh, And then came back and started doing it. So I got the, the fucking lights killed me again. So I got the lights up, but I couldn't get the inflatables in the ground. And then Sunday... I put the inflatables up before the rain started. So we're decked out outside. Half of the inside is decorated, but Mrs. Money's really the the master at that stuff. And we're going to put the tree up, I think, uh, this weekend. We're, we're trying to do it now because with Halloween, we didn't get any decorations up outside. And, uh, you know, little money was not too happy at that. So I promised him we'd get the decorations up as soon as thanksgiving was over so we're decked out very nice 
What I wasn't expecting, though, Ryan, was to today have to have two new toilets installed in my house. That's a story for a different day. But yeah, that why two? Yeah, there were they were old and there were problems with the valves in the in the wall. And then one of the toilets wouldn't stop running no matter what I did to it. Basically, long story short, is the guy was like, they're so old, I'd basically need to put everything new in both of your tanks. And that's one charge per toilet. And then I need to fix the valve in the water. That's another charge per toilet. If you just get a new toilet, the valve, the new valves are included in the install. Plus, you won't have to worry about having these old toilets. So we were like, just do it. But it was not work I expected to have to be done today. So you never expected to do two at once. No. I mean, two at once of other stuff, sure. You dream of that all the time, but not toilets. No. No, no, no. no. Like two ice cream cones at once? Yeah, that's a dream. I've done it. Yeah, that's the way it should be. Hmm. Well, um, what do you say, Ryan? You want to talk about wrestling a little bit? I guess we should. Let's dive into Rampage and Collision. They had it on Saturday uh, this weekend. Um, and uh, I want to talk about it primarily because of the uh, the tournament, right? Like there, there is now a reason you sort of have to keep an eye on Collision primarily. Rampage happened to be on, you know, the hour before. So why not? Um, so, um, Rampage, uh, kicked off with Hook defeating Rocky Romero. Uh, Chris Statlander defeated Diamante. It was nice to see Diamante. Uh, and afterwards, uh, Mercedes jumped stat and, uh, Willow made the save. So that's nice. Um, uh, Matt Taven and Mike Bennett cut a promo, uh, talking about Roderick Strong as a hero for surviving Action Andretti's attempt to murder him last week. They also say that uh, Adam Cole is still Roddy's best friend and that MJF is the devil. They want the Ring of Honor tag team titles and they're coming to win it from MJF. And then we have the Kingdom defeat a couple local talents. And then in maybe the surprise of the night, <clears throat> uh, Wheeler Yuta defeated Katsuyori Shibata to become the new Ring of Honor pure champion. Um, he does go for a handshake after the match. Shabbat is upset. Yuta gives him a, a low blow. A low blow led to the win here, too. Um, and then a DDT. Uh, Hook came out uh, and marched to the ring. Wheeler bailed out uh, and then gloated with the champion. Shibata was kneeling down in pain. Commentary was saying uh, that this is exactly what happened in 2017, you know, alluding to his brain injuries. Uh, so, um, We'll pause there, Ryan, because that was the first hour of Rampage. Uh, I'll say this. Um, I thought Hook and um, and Rocky Romero was very, very fun. Uh, I yeah. didn't have a problem with that. Rocky Romero is just awesome, you know, so no problem there. Uh, Chris Stat and Diamante went the way I thought it was going to go, uh, but it was great to see Diamante on TV as well as Mercedes. Um. Uh, kingdom was what the kingdom was advancing the story there, but Wheeler Yuta Shibata, I was legitimately shocked about. Um, I just didn't think that this would happen 
on Rampage and that, well, let me rephrase that. I didn't think it was going to happen on Ring of Honor television because they never fight for the Ring of Honor belts on Ring of Honor television. But I didn't think it was going to happen in this match against Wheeler Yuta on on Rampage. So I was kind of shocked. Now, after the fact, we found out that the reason Shibata dropped it <clears throat> and that they went with this head injury storyline is because he has to go back to Japan for an extended stay. Um, nobody's sure if it's like family health issues or if it's uh, visa issues, at least nothing I've seen as of late. But he does have to go back to Japan, so he did have to drop the title. And he apparently liked the idea of playing off of his previous injuries in 2017. So that being what it is, it was still surprising to me, Ryan. What did you know? What did you think about the the decision to have the belt put back on Wheeler over Shibata? It was surprising until you read that he had to go back to Japan and couldn't come back for a while wouldn't be back for what is it death before what is it what, what is it death before dishonor or whatever uh whatever. final battle final battle um because then then it makes a lot more sense you didn't have a choice he was going to be gone and you you had to get rid of him you had to get the bet off of him uh, but they gave it a story which was really nice uh instead of just being like eh, it happens it's like oh no this because because when he comes back because the assumption is he's going to he in theory is going to come back with like a chip on his shoulder. Like, so I didn't mind. I mean, it was surprising. And, and you know what? Good for them to do it on or on the rampage before a collision. Surprise people that there's, there's not a lot of people, you know, you watch the product all the time and you didn't see it coming. So it doesn't hurt that every once in a while, people generally didn't see an outcome of coming. One of the things I mean, the ROH argument is a totally different argument that the belt should even be defended on there. I'm not going to get into that because I agree with you. But one of the things that I think wrestling has to, we as fans have to accept in wrestling, and, and I'm guilty of this, so I'm not saying anything that I'm not guilty of, is we, we see the story and we see where the story is going. Or we don't even necessarily see where the story is going. We see nothing but assume that a surprise shouldn't happen. So, like, if you're trying to keep some form of sports in it, having you to beat Shibata is a great because it's going to happen in sports every now and again where someone upsets someone else. It didn't screw up a bigger story. We as fans just assume like, well, this is a give and take because you're you're not going to have you to lose to Shibata on on a rampage. It doesn't make sense to have him lose on a rampage. You have him lose on a pay per view, and why you to you could do this guy and this guy and this guy. And it's like. Okay, but there was no actual story built in besides Yuda and Shibata's kind of backstory. Why not? It doesn't really change anything. Now Yuda can go defend against other guys. Like I, I think we I think surprises like this are good. I, I I the reason for it makes a lot of sense. Um and surprises I think help everybody uh just enjoy the product a little bit more because they're going to be like, well, I don't know, maybe next time you have MJF and Samoa Joe going against someone, they could actually lose the belts. Yeah. And I, I mean, what's interesting, well, not necessarily interesting, but they've sort of been building the story about Yuta having these little like tiffs with everybody. Right. So it looks like maybe they're lining hookup to go against Yuta, uh, maybe at final battle. Now is Yuta transitional? Who knows? I don't want necessarily need to see hook with a pure championship. He's already got a belt and it doesn't necessarily mean anything, but, 
Um, I don't need to see Hook win a pure title. I do want to see Hook and and Wheeler Yuta. Like that interests me. So maybe that's where they're sort of what they're lining up, especially with Hook coming down to make the save at the end. Um, but yeah, no, I don't disagree with you. Like the fact that it happened before a live collision and that this rampage was live, I don't have a problem with that. I guess they don't necessarily do a lot of this. <clears throat> Uh, because a lot of times when they, they, well, most times shooting rampage, it's pre-taped. So if you have a title change take place on the pre-taped show, it's out there. You know what I mean? Like it's spoiled. Same thing with uh ring of honor. So, I mean, if there's one thing, this thought put into my brain, it was the fact that maybe this explains why they don't have belts defended or changing hands on ring of honor television. Cause it's not live and it's pre-taped at you know, at this show, at, at one of their shows, you know, uh, yeah. collision. Um, but you know, that could be resolved if at some point in time, they do have a space like universal where they were taping stuff for a while and they were doing like multiple ring of honor tapings in a day that maybe they could do something like that. And even if the news got out there, it's like, well, when is it going to happen? It doesn't necessarily need to be on this week's TV. It could be in three weeks, you know? And sometimes when they do those, like they did those Orlando ones, they would film the ending like three times. You don't know which one's actually going to happen. Right. Right. So either way, um, a, a decent first hour. And by the way, anybody who's who's listening uh, or watching along in the chat, if you have a match that you thought was exceptional from any of this, you know, as we're talking about it, please put it in the chat. We'll pull it up. If you have any questions or any points you want to throw at me and Ryan, please throw them in the chat. We're monitoring. Um, so, you know, feel free to interact. Um, but now that we get into the, the second portion of Saturday night into collision, um, we did have, uh, a few continental classic tournament matches. Um, the first one was Claudio Castagnoli and Daniel Garcia. Claudio defeated, uh, Daniel Garcia. So he gets three points in the tournament. Garcia is, uh, at zero. Um, we also had an Eddie Kingston promo. We're going to get a match out of him later on in the night. Um, we had kill switch defeating the boys. Uh, and then after the match is over for those who maybe don't remember kill switch is Luchasaurus. Uh, but he defeated the boys. And after the match, uh, he sets up a steel chair to choke slam uh, one of the boys onto it, and that's when Adam Copeland's music hits. And he came from behind with a steel chair uh, to hit a uh, kill switch, and then he hits uh, two concertos on him. And then backstage, he um, he addresses Christian, um, you know, saying that everything that happened to Kill Switch and Nick Wayne is all Christian's fault, and he challenged him to a match for the TNT title on the December 6th episode of dynamite in Montreal. Uh, we're going to talk about that story as we get into dynamite because it played out tonight. So we'll come back to that. We have the house of black Malachi black and buddy Matthews, uh, versus gravity and commander. Um, and then, uh, buddy Matthews got the, uh, curb stomp for the pin to win the match for house of black. Um, action Andretti talking to Darius backstage. Uh, and then we find out Dante Martin's back. We will talk about them as well as we get into the second portion of our show because they had a match tonight. 
Uh, Julia Hart defeated Lady Frost to retain the TBS championship. Um, there were no countouts in the match. Uh, this was under House of Rules, um, House of Rules matches. Um, so um, Julia Hart in her first defense looking good. Uh, there was a Donna Callison powerhouse Hobbs interview. Um, uh, FTR defeated the righteous. Uh, after the match was over, Malachi black came out with a mic. Uh, and he said that Cesaro and, and, uh, punk aren't there to save FTR this time. Uh, and, um, you know, basically, uh, did a little name drop. Uh, and, uh, they're setting up, I guess, house of black and FTR, which I have no problem with. Uh, sign me up for that. Um, there was the uh, Ricky Starks and Big Bill in the ring for an interview with Tony Schiavone. Um, Keith Lee um, versus uh, Lee Moriarty. Um, and uh, Lee wins here. Um, Keith Lee cut a backstage promo saying that he's not sick of uh, being given any opportunities. He's going to take it. Uh, and he referred to uh, one man who he's going to be going after. Um, Brody King uh, had his match against Eddie Kingston for the second uh, Continental Classic match of the night. And in, uh, in an, again, maybe a little bit of a shocker, but I wasn't necessarily shocked, but they're calling it an upset. Brody King defeated Eddie Kingston. So Eddie has uh, nothing so far. Brody King has gotten his three points. Uh, and that was the end of the show. So, um, I guess, uh, Ryan, just starting off with the continental classic matches. Um, I didn't have any, I didn't have any problems with the way these shook out, right? Claudio winning over Garcia. I get it. Uh, I think Garcia is going to get a win somewhere else here. Right. Eddie Kingston. I also get Brody is so big, like, you know, he's, 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 a monster. So I, I, I just wasn't sure how they would cut him down to get Eddie to get a win. And we also sort of see, uh, tonight they play a video that was going around on social with Eddie Kingston talking about sort of where he goes next. So I think they're, they're using this as a story for Eddie throughout the, the remainder of the tournament, however far he goes on. Um, I didn't have a problem with the outcomes. What did you think of the continental classic matches? I mean, the, the matches themselves are amazing. This this tournament ends up being a great idea for them. Uh, we get speak to, when we get to News and Notes, we'll, no, we'll speak to some of the rumors out there. But if you're attempting to get, I mean, I'll bring some of it up now. I think AEW for a while, fans have been saying that they didn't feel the same. Things were, were off. They were going to sports entertainment, less professional wrestling. And then I think AEW in the recent months has been trying to make a concerted effort to go back to what was they were. I think a tournament like this is a great way of doing it because you, they kind of built themselves up on what will be described as the New Japan method, which is a lot of matches, stories coming out of matches, and just really moving quickly. And all this, everything this tournament matters now because you have a title on the line. Um, and with with all these good matches you're getting stories i'm trying to like you have eddie kingston's story now we'll talk about it tonight but whatever he's 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 down three points he's down a match he's the defending champ of both belts that are being converted like he's 
He right. stands to lose the most. Now he's down. So you have that story. What's he going to do? You have Daniel Garcia out there to prove something. There's a secondary story. You have the rise of Swerve. You have, I don't care, if whatever, we're spoiling, but you, we, we'll talk about more detail. We have the Switchblade story because he's kind of going through his own crisis. Right. They're all connected, but they're all separate. It's a great way to develop and build out a bunch of guys in one interconnected story while giving you the best matches you could possibly ever ask for. Even Keith Lee, who had kind of been thrown to the side, now has another story going for him. But they're all they're all in the tournament, but they're all separate. They're all their own motivations. Um, this is where tournaments are really good if you're if you're able to do something like this. And I know if Matt was in here or Kate or someone who's a little bit more familiar with New Japan than I think either you or I are, they'd probably be yelling at me about the G1. Um because this is what makes the G1 kind of famous, is that you right. have so many stories coming out of it. So I loved all the matches. I think Eddie losing is kind of interesting because you could have told one or two stories. You could have had Eddie dominate, not dom. Well, he would never dominate, but winning his way through the whole thing, right? Some at the end, or yeah. I think this is a very based on the promo we get tonight. It's a very interesting Eddie. Um, it only does more to make his character more compelling. I think. Daniel Garcia is going to make a lot of fun. He's probably—we know he's not winning the tournament, um, but he, his story's a lot. I think this is going to be the rise of Swerve. I think we're seeing it. But Brody King's an interesting one, yeah, because you have Malachi Black and um, Buddy um, Matthews mm -hmm. going after FTR, which I love. Like that is a great feud. The funny thing is, the tag team in House of Black has always been Malachi Black and Brody. Buddy was always the one on the outside. So it's interesting that they reversed that and they said, no, 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 you two are the tag team. Again, love that feud. And Brody King, this big bruiser of a man, is going to get his own shine, which I think he deserves. He's he's awesome. So I'm, that's a very intriguing uh, development there. Scott, I'll say something that Scott George is saying in the chat is that he's interested because of the heel versus heel matches you never thought you'd see regularly. 100%. And, yeah. and tonight's the match we'll talk about later tonight, which is Swerve versus Switchblade. Why, why else would we have that match? It makes no sense. So 100% on that. So I loved everything I saw. Uh, I'm trying to think of, again, I really like the FTR House of Black feud. That is as good as it get, you could get from me. And, and the FTR... Um, the, the House of Black versus Commander and um, blanking. Oh, uh, sorry. I'm going back through my notes. Uh, House of Black versus uh, Gravity and Commander. Gravity. That was a really fun match. Um, I think AEW is best when they're, when they're building stories this way. Yes, you need promos. We couldn't go an entire show without promos. That would be bad. Like I liked Starks and Big Bills. Big Bill delivered a hell of a promo. Yeah. A lot of people said like this was his I'm that guy promo. Uh, he 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 really showed up because Starks, for better or worse, is is the voice of that team. So I don't think people ever realize that Big Bill can talk too when he when he's given the chance. So that was a great promo for them. I like that you have a tag feud completely outside of the tag titles. Uh, you can the tag titles are in a weird spot in the sense of like I don't know what they're doing with the Golden Jets or whatever, but they'll have their own feud. Um, so I like that. We're kind of looks like we're doing some with trios again with tonight's episode, so I can kind of take that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so far, everything is, like I said, the tournament to me is one of the smartest ideas they could have done. They said, New Japan, this is what you do. We love it. People love it. We'll, we'll tweak it to fit us. We're going to bring you in anyway because we're using your strong title. 
But I, like I said, I just named off the top of my head how many different guys have different stories sure. that will will come out of the tournament. Like in theory, Daniel Garcia. The, I don't know if this is the story with the Daniel Garcia will go through the tournament, but in my head booking, Daniel Garcia loses a few, loses early while he's figuring himself out. And at some point he flips the switch and remembers who he was and just starts winning. But as like that straight hardcore pro wrestler still can do the dancing. Cause I don't think she get rid of it, but like remembers it like, Oh, this is, or finds himself, maybe doesn't remember who he was, but combines the two in a way that finally works. So that coming out of the tournament, he's a brand new Daniel Garcia. Eddie Kingston could make an epic comeback or fail. And that's an interesting story coming out. Brody King be hotter than ever. Who knows what Switchblade's going to do? Swerve, I think, is going to be primed to be challenging for the title. So, like, you're going to, even though he'll have a title, so they're going to have to take care of that one if he wins. Um, so, yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I don't mean to cut you off, Ryan, but you, you're, you make a ton of good points. And I think that the thing that's that's helped them uh, is the fact that they gave they gave major stakes to this, right? And they said they want to make it a modern American triple crown, right? So I think when you give it stakes, when you make this a tournament, like we haven't seen them do in AEW, right? Up until this point, every tournament has been a single elimination, you know, bracketed tournament. This round robin system is totally different. We haven't seen anybody else, you know, of the major companies really doing this in the United States. So it is something that's different and refreshing to see. The other thing is you have the right talent, you know, who can pull this off, right? You've got Jay White, who's got experience in New Japan. Mox, you've got, you know, countless other guys who you've got involved here who can who can run this tournament the way you need it to run with the stakes that you have and that, you know, you're invested the whole way because it's a point system, right? It's not something that you don't care about after the first week because it's like, well, I can clearly see the writing on the wall in round one of this bracket tournament because it's John Moxley versus, you know, whoever the fuck I'll even throw, I'll throw Jay lethal out there just because he's historically been a person who in their bracket tournaments, like first round, he's put up against the hardest person, you know, you could possibly pick and he's knocked out, right? Like we can read sort of the tea leaves of those tournaments. This one it's, it's harder and you're right. <clears throat> there are a lot of intriguing things here. I, I don't disagree with you. We will talk about Swerve and Switchblade as we get into the second hour because they main evented tonight. And I mean, spoiler alert, that match was phenomenal. Um, but I mean, those are two guys that I could see them saying, you're going to, you're going to go the distance to the, to get to the match at, um, at Nassau at world's end. Um, you know, Brody King is intriguing too. You know, uh, he's in the blue bracket. You've got Danielson who hasn't even wrestled yet. He's going to have his first match this coming weekend. Um, Andrade's in the bracket, hasn't wrestled yet on the, in the blue side. What are they going to do with Andrade? You know what I mean? Like there are a lot of guys who you step back and you look at this and you know, like me personally, I'm like Jay lethal. I don't think is moving very far, right? Mark Briscoe. I don't think is moving very far. They'll have some moments, but I don't think he's going to go very far. Um, you know, you can do some of that, but the, there's a large portion of this field where, you know, you, 
you don't know how they're going to play this out because you really do have a lot of moving pieces and guys who are really valuable to what they're doing. So I'm, I'm, I'm having a really good time with this tournament and they kicked off, you know, week two of the tournament tonight uh, on dynamite with more uh, matches on the gold side of the card. Uh, Gordon post is also saying NXT did this with the heritage cup. Okay. Um, I don't watch the product, so I don't know how that went, if it worked or didn't. The Heritage Cup was good for NXT, too. These tournaments Mm -hmm. are great. I would say the one difference here, and it's not a knock on NXT because NXT is truly a developmental brand. Mm -hmm. It's just the level of wrestler you have. NXT is a couple guys who are just legitimately, if they came to AEW today, I would tell you, keep your eye on them. They are fantastic. Yeah. But overall, you don't have an NXT switchblade you don't have swerve you did you did have swerve there but he should have you know right these guys are guys who would have graduated out of nxt and been in the so like there's that level there where yes it was fantastic in nh and nxt i'm not going to criticize i like just the heritage cup but imagine that but now with the best wrestlers you could possibly imagine right right um and guys who have extensive you know round robin tournament experience you know um, I don't know. Uh, NXT is, is weird because it's like, they're, I guess, sort of considered one of the majors because they're part of the WWE umbrella, but I don't know if everybody necessarily considers them one of the majors because it's NXT and it's developmental. It's sort of, they don't, they're not a major, no. Yeah. So, so it's not a knock on NXT. I also just don't watch the product if we're being honest. Um, yeah, no. but So I think this uh, episode of Collision to sort of round out the first week of action in the cup uh, was really good. Again, we didn't see Danielson yet. We didn't see Andrade yet. I think they were waiting an extra week to make sure Danielson was good to go. And he's good to go because he's being billed, you know, uh, for his first match this coming weekend uh, on Collision. So we'll see how Danielson's going to feel. He's going against Eddie Kingston. We're going to talk about them a little bit in the second half before we just finally move on ryan any anything else uh from the show you want to mention i think what i sort of the only other thing i want to mention is it's kind of cool well not it's kind of it is it is awesome in my brain uh that with the house of black where you've had so much focus on the male participants in that faction that now they're shining such a bright light on julia hart is really great and what's been oh, great, yeah. what's been great about Julia Hart too is the fact that you look at where she was before the House of Black as this the cheerleader character who seemed like just some kid off the street. This seems light years ahead of wherever that was. Um, and I even feel like her in ring performance has pushed light years ahead of where she was when she was doing that. So I just love the fact that even though we've still got all this other stuff going on with um, the house of black, Julia is sort of like front and center because she's the only one with gold at this point. And she's really the only one who can stand on her, on her own because there's no other woman to sort of tag with. We thought maybe we were going to get something like that. Who knows? Maybe we still could with sky blue depends on what the fuck is up with sky blue. But I just think this, that what they've got going on with Julia Hart's really special. And I think it's it's sort of standing outside of what they've been doing with the House of Black so far. So I'm all for that. 
I mean, she's been, you're right. She's just worlds better now that she's, she's this character. I, you know, I read somewhere that from like a quote from her and I forget where that she's just so much more com uh, comfortable in this role than she competent in this role, I should say, mm -hmm. than she was as the cheerleader. And I think that impacts not only obviously promos or talking, but also in ring. I think when you're feeling good, you wrestle better. And, and cause you have, and I also think her style could be more defined. It's very hard to figure out what style if you unless you really own the cat like completely created the character on your own and know exactly where you want to go. It's really hard to own a cheerleader style because what is it gonna be? Um she you know it if you had told me that cheerleader cheerleader Julia Hart was already done wrestling, I wouldn't have been shocked. Um that wasn't a knock on her. I I didn't hate her, but she just she did seem like someone who was a little bit looking for an identity. So if you told me she just left wrestling, I would have been like, that sucks, but it happens. So glad they gave her a chance to show her skill because she's so talented and she's nailing this over and over again. And it's the little stuff. And and I don't, you know, the little stuff she does, like when she walks out with her entrance, lip syncing to her song looks so creepy. Like things like that just play really well. And then her in ring, she's adopted a more aggressive, more, mean style and she's not a she's not a big girl but she's she's figured out how to make it work and i don't think that's always yeah. the easiest thing to do so she's been, i'm with you i love that of the house of black the person who seems to have benefited the most has been julia hart yeah it's just a really great look it's been good for the for the women's division too right as you know we've seen some of the top players in the women's division um you know have to leave the screen for for injury purposes or anything else, it's nice that they've been able to find other talent that maybe they weren't giving much time to, right? So, like, we don't have Jamie Hayter. We don't have Thunder Rosa. We don't have Britt Baker right now. Like, those were three giant staples at different points in time. Um, You know, even they put a lot of time and effort into Soraya. You know, she's not the same level as when she came in, you know, because I think they've found that they have talent in other places like Julia, like Willow, you know, Chris Statlander's not the champion anymore, but they still have something there with her. Um, you know, so I just think it's, it's refreshing that when we've seen this happen before, Ryan, it's like everything's thrown into chaos with that women's division they've been able to actually do a really good job. We'll give them credit where credit's due because they deserve it. This women's division so many times we've just, we've scratched our heads and sort of like couldn't make sense of anything that was going on and no stories, nothing happening. Now you have new, new talent, not even new to the company, but just new talent you're putting the spotlight on and they're able to, to knock out what they're doing uh, every chance they get, I, I think it's just really good for the division. I don't know if they've had any changes to who's been working with the division to try to sort of right that ship, but they're doing a really good job with it now. I just want them to keep doing it. And that's sort of where we always get to, where I always sort of like take everything at arm's length too, Ryan, because it's like, we've gotten to this point before too, right? We've had this conversation where it's like, this is the best thing they've got going on. It's awesome. They're doing a great job. Let's keep up this momentum. And then all of a sudden it's, you know, falling off the side of a cliff, like nothing to do, nowhere to go. So right now it seems like they're continuing to move in the right direction, which is really great. Um, 
but yeah, I think everything else sort of Ryan that we haven't necessarily talked about, um, from collision, you know, if you want to just talk about, I'm not saying you have to, but the kill switch, uh, Luchasaurus thing and, and Adam Copeland, you know, using him to get to, to Christian, you know, it's a perfect move, you know, like how do you get to the guy you can't get to? You got to take out some of his, his underlings. Right. So it makes sense. And we do see that story evolve on dynamite. So we'll talk about it, but I thought that was, that made perfect sense after what we saw last Wednesday to sort of follow up on Saturday with. So I didn't have a problem with that either. Yeah, I like it. It's it's kind of a if you have a veteran like like Adam Copeland, he should be making smart moves and not reacting stupidly. And this is smart. Take out the guys that are protecting him to get to him. Um, so I, I I really enjoy where that story is going. We'll talk about more of that tonight. But for the kill switch Copeland thing, it's very again it just makes sense. That's the guy's heavy. You take him out. Make sure he can't interfere when I go to confront my enemy. So it it just. When wrestling is good, um, it's that those little pieces of logic that get thrown in, where that makes so much sense. That just we don't. I don't know if you notice it at the time, but you do. You don't. I don't know where in your brain you do, but you know it's like, oh yeah, Copeland's doing smart things. He's taking out the heavy so that he no one's bad Christian. Like obviously it's part of the plot, but it's such a. I think what I'm saying you don't notice, or maybe like you do, but you don't recognize it is just how logical that is. Like it's like that logic matters. I think to people more than we, we think it does. Sometimes I guess that's where I'm trying to get out is that I, I don't think until we see something like that, we realize like, Oh yeah, that works even better because it makes sense. And it makes sense that he's going against, you know, he's got a guy, he's going against his best friend. Who's got uh, two people helping him take those two people out. So often that just doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to definitely talk about, more Adam Copeland and Christian. We got more Continental Classic matches to talk about with Dynamite tonight. We've got the MJF Devil Story, Samoa Joe, Love Triangle going on. We've got a ton of stuff to talk about. Um, so um, what we're going to do is we're going to take a break. We're just under an hour here, so we're going to take a short break for Ryan and I to recharge here quickly for a second. Uh, maybe I'll go uh, take a leak in one of those new toilets I got today, Ryan. Ooh, that'll be fun. That's fun. Uh, but Ryan, you got to promise me one thing when we get back from break. You're going to take us higher to a place with golden shoes. Or blind man see. Seriously. Ryan's going to take us higher after the break. But for now, hang out. We'll be right back to talk about Dynamite. Why don't you listen to some of the other, uh, some words from the other shows that are part of the fine Shining Wizards network that we are certainly proud to be part of. Thank each and every one of you for tuning in every Monday night to listen to the Shining Wizards. If you'd like to continue to support us outside of listening, we've got a few ways for you to do that. If you shop at Amazon, go over to Amazon.ShiningWizards.com, do your shopping as usual, and when you make your purchase, a little bit of that purchase price will go back to support the show. If you like to wear t-shirts, Merch.ShiningWizards.com will take you to our Pro Wrestling Tees store, where we've got over a dozen great designs from over 11 years of professional wrestling podcasting. 
You can become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash wizardspodcast, where each and every week we call out your name as one of our show producers, and the more you support us, the more things that you're entitled to receive, and believe me, they are fantastic. If you can't support us monetarily, if you don't shop at Amazon, that's absolutely fine. Continue to listen to us wherever you listen to us on the World Wide Web, and make sure you like, rate, review, subscribe, do all that good stuff. Doesn't cost you anything, helps us out, and we can continue to bring you the love fest that is The Shining Wizards. What's up, folks? It's your boy, the Impact Player, Mr. Philly Ray, inviting all of you to check out the Turnbuckle Throwbacks Wrestling Podcast. Join us as we cover all things current in the world of pro wrestling, as well as paying homage to the old school, the squared circle. So listen in and find out why we are the recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment broadcasting. Find us on all social media platforms and anywhere you get your podcast from. And as always, we are the proudest members of the Shining Wizards Network and Rant Entertainment Media. Are you tired of being lied to every day by the mainstream media? Do you want to know what's really going on in the world? Do you want to make up your own mind about things and not be told what to think or say? Then listen to Inconclusive Breakdown, a weekly anti-PC look at the world of entertainment and current events brought to you without censorship or filters. You can find us everywhere you listen to podcasts, BitChute, and on ShiningWizardsNetwork.com. And also, we're a proud member of the Shining Wizards Network. Got 30 minutes to kill? Come check out 30 Screams or Less, where we review a horror movie in 30 minutes or less. We cover new movies and old ones, too. We'll give our honest thoughts on the movie, good or shit, as well as a rating of each one that we watch. New episodes weekly available on the Shining Wizards Network and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Steve. And I'm Corey. Come check us out at 30 Screams or Less. G'day guys, my name is Thomas, one half of the Broadcast Podcast. With our podcast, we go back and watch wrestling events from WWE, WWF, WCW, ECW, AEW, and many other wrestling promotions. You can check us out on Twitter at the Broadcast, that's T-H-E-B-R-O-K-A-S-T, and you can also download all episodes on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Castro, and many other podcast apps. you like your music heavy then check out radioactive metal on the shining wizards network for over 16 years now radioactive metal has been one of the longest running podcasts over the years we've interviewed some legendary metal acts had some awesome discussions and cranked a hell of a lot of tunes so join your cool uncle snowy and his co-host aaron for the audio mosh pit that is radioactive metal here on the Shining Wizards Network. Well, the action is underway! What's up, everyone? When on the Shining Wizards Network, be sure to check out Wrestling Night in Canada. If we're not recording another kick-ass podcast... Or playing in punk bands. Or recording kick-ass heavy metal albums. Then we're sitting back, we're grabbing a couple brews, and going over everything to do in the world of pro wrestling. Because we're from Winnipeg, you idiots. The Mark Order Podcast is the only show you need if you're looking for dedicated coverage 
of Everything AEW on the Shining Wizards Network. Join us live on YouTube every Wednesday night at 10.15 p.m. Eastern after Dynamite to chat along with the show. If you can't join us live, listen to us on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on all social channels at MarkOrderPod and use the hashtag JoinTheMarkOrder because if you don't find us, we will find you. I'm Kevin Rowe. I'm Al Day. And we're a couple of down-under pounders that co-host an action figure collecting podcast where we talk about well just about anything that tickles our fancy at any given moment we're grumpy old men and sometimes people get on our nerves and when you get on our nerves guess what you get off the lawn get off my lawn asshole we also go on a little bit of a mission we go back and we're grading every wrestling figure line that's out there i'm talking LJMs, I'm talking Jacks, I'm talking Hasbros. Who doesn't like a little Hulkaplex? It's a Gorilla Brain Wrestling Podcast production found on the Shining Wizards Network. I'm Duke Bags. Kevin Rowe! And together we are the co-hosts of your Duke and Road. If you want to hear about some terrible wrestling shows, we got you covered. Well, we talk about good ones, too currently talking about the death of WCW. I know what we're fucking talking about. Sometimes we get uh, guest spots, like from the Taskmaster. I like to uh, I like to listen to the Year of Duke and Rope podcast. They're uh, funny guys. That uh, I like when they I like when they talk about the the, the Nards plows. I like Nards plows. That's uh, that's a good move. And uh, I like the Dungeon of Doom. You know, sometimes sometimes I, I call my butt the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Oklahoma. Let me tell you a little bit about my favorite wrestling podcast. All right. It's a podcast for two men. Two men. Duke Banks, Kevin Rowe. They talk about professional wrestling. It's a man's sport. All right. And who better to talk about a man's sport than Duke Oklahoma. And once in a while, Vince Russo is talking Oh, you piece of shit. If you're not listening to the Year Duke and Rogue podcast in the back with the boys, you piece of shit, I don't know what you're doing. It's, uh, you gotta slide one in there. If you're a man, if you're a man, you're talking about something only a man can do. You're talking about sliding one in there. Bro, take the time to slide one in there. Alright, bro, you piece of shit, slide one in there. A Gorilla Brain Wrestling podcast production that you can find on the Shining Wizards Network. All right, we're back here on the Mark Order podcast, part of the Shining Wizards Network, live on a Wednesday night. And Ryan and I are going to get into Dynamite. But before we do that, we want to remind you guys you can follow us on all of our social platforms at Mark Order Pod. That's uh, X, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Threads. We're not really using it, but we're there. YouTube, uh, all the places you would go looking for us. Find us at Mark Order Pod. Um, we're, uh, we're trying to get our uh, YouTube up to 500. So please help us continue that climb. Um, you know, and uh, we're going to think about something cool to do for 500. We're. Ryan, right now we've got win a date with Kate. So uh, that's what we're doing. I still think that's our best bet. I I agree. 
so uh, let's get that up to 500. If you could uh, give us a, a subscribe on YouTube, we would greatly appreciate it. If you know anybody who's into AEW wrestling and likes to hear people talk about it, this is the show for them. Uh, also, if you'd like to help us out and support us, uh, you know, monetarily, you could head on over to our official pro wrestling tea store. You could head over to our link tree in our social bios to find a direct link. You could go to pro wrestling tees.com slash Mark order pod, or you could search the Mark order podcast on pro wrestling tees and you'll find our store here. We've got four shirts available two front prints two front and back prints, uh, pick up whichever one you like, buy one for a friend, whatever. Uh, but, uh, you know, make sure you pick one up. It helps us out and, uh, fund some of the things that we have to do, uh, to, that we have to pay for to put on this wonderful show. Uh, you guys definitely missed a black Friday sale that went on for like a week. So if you missed that, sorry, you're not going to get the 20% break. Who knows? Maybe there'll be a Christmas sale, but I do want to say thank you to the people who did buy one over the, over the break. So, uh, or over the sale, excuse me. So thank you. Uh, all right, Ryan, why don't we dive into, uh, into dynamite? Because, um, again, we have a lot of continental classic to talk about. We featured three matches from the, from the gold, uh, side of the card. Um, and then we also had some other stuff going on to advance a bunch of other stories. Uh, so we open up dynamite with our first uh match in the uh gold league uh for the continental classic that was jay lethal with zero points versus john moxley who had three points uh getting to the end of this match uh moxley wins by submission with body scissors sleeper hold earning three more points jay lethal will still be at zero um but this match did um this match did, you know, sort of go back and forth. Commentary did make a point, uh, Schlong, to say, we're seeing a, a Jay Lethal we haven't necessarily seen. We also actually had Danielson on commentary. I should, I failed to mention that. Danielson was on commentary for this match, um, but he was sort of calling it down the middle. I mean, he was, you know, saying things like, come on, John, you got to stick with it. You got to get out of this. But I think he was the one who said, you know, we're seeing a different Jay Lethal than we've normally seen here, which I think, again, in terms of a tournament and what's at stake makes it feel, you know, different. Um, so, um, I thought it was an entertaining match. I didn't think John Moxley was going to lose. So this went the way I thought it was going to go all in all. I found it entertaining. Ryan, what did you think of Mox and Jay lethal? So like you, I didn't expect, uh, Mox to lose. So the outcome was a little bit more predictable. I mean, I think we all thought Jay lethal was put in this tournament to provide good matches but take losses that's just who he is sadly and that's fine i mean i'm not trying to insult the man that's who you are that's what he is in AEW at this point um match was really fun you know jay lethal is a really good wrestler uh there's a reason he's been in the business as long as he has and, and mox is awesome so i really liked this danielson was a lot of fun on commentary again another story it's interesting to see what they're doing with jay lethal are they trying to get him away from the, the the Jeff Jarrett stuff a little bit? Is this his his way of moving out? Um, so I really enjoyed it, you know. And listen, Mox has to be one of the 
quote unquote favorites of the tournament. I mean, I, he ha- I don't really want him with those belts. I don't think he needs them, but he's got to get far enough where it, 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 him losing is not like, oh God, they're bearing Mox. It's like, okay, they clearly just don't want him to have the belt. But yeah, I thought I thought this match was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, just a, a quality match. And to your point, I think that's why you put somebody in here like Jay Lethal, right? You know Jay Lethal is going to be able to put on a good match. You know, and they told the story through this match too with John Moxley's knee, right? He kept targeting the knee uh, after early on. It looked like it was giving Mox problems. So even when he had him, um, when Mox had him in some sort of hold, you know, Jay Lethal's way of getting out with out of it was like elbowing the knee or punching at the knee, and Mox eventually had to sort of give it up. So um, good showing by all here. But after this match, we do get uh, the collision promo from Eddie Kingston talking about how he knew this tournament was going to be tough and maybe he came in too arrogant, a little too cocky, putting both his belts, uh, both of his belts on the line like he deserves to win. He says he's got Brian next... And now he's behind the eight ball and he's, he's not going to go back, but he sort of came back to reality and said, we're going to be humble in victory, humble in defeat. And, you know, he's basically on to, to Danielson on, on Saturday. And then Danielson back in commentary, uh, sort of fired back about how he's coming in hot, even with a surgically repaired eye. Uh, and, um, and we go to break. Um, so, uh, you know, Schlong, this is sort of what we were talking about in that first in in the first portion of our show where we were covering everything on uh on Rampage and Collision. You know, Eddie with the loss, right? So now this story is how do I dig myself out of this hole? Even though it was just one match, you know, points are points, right? So you're not getting any points, you're not doing yourself any favors. So Eddie is a little unsure of himself. Danielson's coming in cocky as a son of a bitch uh, because, you know, uh, he's had uh, two breaks in his orbital. He had eye surgery. You know, he hasn't wrestled, but he's raring to go. So it's it's a very sort of yin-yang, right? Eddie's not sure of his ability. Danielson's very sure of where he is, even though he's been injured. So it should be an interesting match on Saturday night. I think either way, it will be uh, it will be a lot of fun. Yeah, I um, Danielson's was funny because he can't like Eddie's was so calm and and like even killed almost a little sad, a little depressed as it sounded like, but and, and then Danielson Danielson came back just on fire, like yelling. I was wondering if he was hoping the arena would hear him, even if he wasn't broadcast out. Um, because he was he was hot and, and he looked scary with a patch on. Um, I I think Eddie's worrying that he created his own prison and um and and that he needs to, you know, really do more in this tournament than he expected is uh is where I think that the concern he, he has. Um he but I liked it. He this losing Eddie losing at any point when he can come out with a promo like this always means losses don't hurt Eddie Kingston because he makes you like his character even more and wrestling truly at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many times you lose. If you're just the most popular character out there. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we're being honest here, Schlong, I think 
this whole thing with with Eddie is a lot of him really saying what if, right? And maybe that this whole thing is really him saying, you know, this is my sacrifice. Um putting the belts on the line and that, you know, I think eventually where we're going to get to is Eddie's going to get to a point where he's got, it's going to come down to one sort of one match. And no matter what, he sort of just, you know, with one last breath, give it everything he's got. I mean, at the end of the day, we're getting down to one. Oh, just one belt. The only way is this one belt. So he's got to focus and realize it's not about three. It's about one. And, with his arms spread wide open, just tackle everything. Right. I mean, uh, absolutely. I mean, what's going to be interesting for everybody though, is that, you know, through the tournament, everybody's going to get weathered, right. And maybe feel a little bit torn. Uh, and everybody, I think at some point is going to be wondering like, who's got my back. So, um, yeah, I mean this, this whole thing is working out perfectly. Um, I think by the end, he's going to feel like a lot of bit, like a lot of, like a little bit of human clay almost, like the way he's mushed around, pushed around. Okay. Okay. I see what you're doing. All right. Uh, all right, Shlong. I was running uh, out of songs. I had to do something there. Yeah. I, 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 sorry. I was cramming like three in at a time, just whatever I could. I know way more than I thought I did. Um, all right, so uh, Schlong, this is perhaps this next segment is going to mean a lot to you, but also this is really worrying me. Um, so when they come back from commercial, Giovanni is backstage hyping up Revolution 2024 on March 3rd because this is, uh, as we know, this is going to be Sting's last match. Um, so he's talking about, you know, the location and what better place for Sting's final match than Greensboro, South Carolina, because at the Greensboro and at the Greensboro Coliseum, because 38 years ago, uh, he fought Ric Flair for the world title, went 45 minutes, uh, and now he's going to end his career there. And Tony introduced Sting and Ric Flair, Ric Flair in his full drip. Uh, and, um, Sting uh Sting says that uh he would never he would have guessed he would be he never would have guessed, excuse me, that he'd be standing there right now after all that, a 45 minute draw. You know, yada yada yada. And then Flair says that words really can't be spoken with the volume and emphasis as to what it's what's going to happen at Revolution in the place where Sting really made himself. It wasn't Ric Flair, it was Sting who made himself. And Rick says that he's 74, 74 years old. He's lucky. He's standing next to the icon. He works for Tony Khan. He works with Tony Schiavone. And now he's honored to go back to Greensboro and be at Sting's side for the end. So Schlong, one thing we find out, it's Greensboro, North Carolina. Schlong, you taking the road trip? You going to see it end where it all began? No, I, I just simply can't. I would love to. No, actually, legitimately, if I this is one of going on the Jericho cruise in 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 January at the end of January, work related trips, work trips, and then taking off work, it's just too hard to to maneuver around like that because it's not. I can't just take off right one day. Yeah. You know, you're you're taking off a couple of days, so that isn't even me living in a bubble because I considered it. Of all people, I sat there and considered. I'm like, well, what can I do? I'm like. 
it's at least two or three days because I wouldn't want to, because it's going to be on a Saturday. So I would want to get there by at least Friday so that I don't risk missing it. And then I guess I could leave Sunday, but I don't want like, it just becomes a whole, yeah, I always take the extra day to make sure if there's a flight issue, I don't have to then call in work and be like, hey, I'm, I'm missing, even though they don't really care. But anyway, right. um, I'm going to be honest about this whole thing. As soon as Sting stopped talking, I stopped listening. I, I'm not even going to come out here and rant off there or anything like that. He's just not good at talking anymore. Like, he's just not. I, I tried. It's not even like I was like, oh, Flair, mute. He started his whole speech, and I'm like, oh, you sound terrible and already like you're lost. And my brain just shut off. I didn't mute the TV or anything. My brain just shut off. Yeah. Because he's just, he sounds like almost a like Grandpa Simpson. Like, I don't think he knows where he's at, where he's finishing when he starts talking. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm with you there. But here's where I'm worried about, Schlong. They, first of all, we don't know who the, who the person's going to be. I'm sure um, that Sting has a say in this. I'm still just worried that it's going to be Ric Flair. I'm really worried. They're going back to the original place. It just really fucking worries me, man. I'm nervous about this. My hope, prayer, whatever, is that as much as Tony, and I'm not criticizing Tony Khan for this, He's giving Sting whatever Sting wants, it feels like, because, you know, good on him. Sting came in during the pandemic and has given more to AEW than anyone could have ever expected. Like, he legitimately has had, this is how he should go out on his career. Like, he's had matches, I remember, in his 60s. And and I don't remember them for his awful performance. I remember them for the crazy shit he did. Um so as much as Tony Khan is giving him everything he wants, which is where I have the same fear as you, I'm hoping he still has a little bit of common sense going on. Like he's not being too nice and goes, I, I can't. There's just plus I do also think Sting is the type to say it doesn't make sense to go against Flair. It makes more sense for me to go against Darby or some. I'm gonna go out and put someone in that that stratosphere so that. Anyone coming to watch my last match who may not be watching regularly is going to get to see a young guy they don't typically see, and maybe they'll fall for him. So I'm hoping and praying. I think it should be Darby. I think Darby's been with him the whole run. Make it Darby. It doesn't have to be Darby turns heel on Sting or anything like that. Let it just be before I leave, you have to beat me. I, I don't disagree. I just don't know what Darby's I guess it's in March, but the rumor was that Darby was taking an extended period off to train for his uh, to train for his his climb up Everest. Now, I don't know when that's happening. Like if it happens early enough in 2024, then it's possible that they could do this match in March. If it doesn't, whenever that's supposed to happen, I'm just worried that Darby's going to be off or something like so that's a couple just, things. Yeah, go ahead. Go I get hundred percent. I get hundred percent what you're saying. Cause that is a fear. My hope is one that it's early, but you're right. The only thing is you don't need a story here. Sting doesn't, again, I don't need a heel versus face story. Sure. You don't really need Darby around until the match. 
So my hope would be that Darby would do like a couple like pre-tapes or whatever. And because it's Sting who has really been there for Darby through the whole run, Darby would show up to have that match and be like, this is, you know, this is, this is it. Um, but I'm with you because that would suck. But I still wouldn't make it budging flair. I'd find someone else. Yeah, I, I know. It's just all, it just, it, it worries me because it's like all these things are lining up for it to be flair. And I'm like, don't fucking make it flair, please. Just whatever you do, don't make it flair. Cause I think we've gotten so much more out of sting than we ever thought we would have in AEW that I just don't want to see it all fucking down the shitter in his last match. You know what I mean? Completely, he didn't go out. Great. He didn't go out great last time. Um, He should go out great this time. So, you know, fingers crossed. But Greensboro Coliseum, uh, that's where uh, they're going to be doing Revolution uh, 2024. So uh, March 3rd, get your tickets, order your pay-per-view, do whatever you got to do. Uh, Schlong, the next match we get in the night is another Continental Classic Gold League match. It's Mark Briscoe versus Roosh. Both of these guys have no points so far. So somebody maybe is coming at, well, Somebody is coming out with some points because even if it's a time limit draw here, they're going to each get a point. Uh, but cutting to the end of this match, Roosh gets the win by pinfall uh, with a drop kick to earn three points. So um, we see Mark Briscoe still still winless. Uh, Roosh, Roosh gets one under his belt. Uh, and we're on to the next. But... Shlong, what do you, you think of the match? Because I talked about the last match first. I want to get your, t- you know, what do you think about Roosh, Mark Briscoe? I think this was important for Roosh um, to get a win. He's, he's again, he was like such a surprising pickup for how well he's worked in this company and how important he is. It was kind of what if I expected. Mark Briscoe's a guy who hits hard but also takes a ton back. And Roosh is kind of known for his his hard-hitting style like Roosh wrestles I mean Mark is bigger than most of the guys Roosh regularly wrestles but he 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 hit a mark I really enjoyed it I I I think what I what I when I'm watching these continental matches I, I'm gonna be honest what always I'm more focusing on than anything else is one I'm enjoying how great the matches are but I keep trying to figure out the stories they're telling for the guys because I'm getting really into that and Mark Briscoe's I haven't figured out yet um, I don't know if they they have one for him. His might be after. His might be chasing something after, and that's fine. Um, uh, sorry, I got caught up with Sha's comment of her saying the Undertaker appears one night only just to verse Sting. There's not enough money in the world to let the, for WWE to let that happen. Um, the uh, so, but the the Rouge storyline is pretty interesting because Rouge leads LFI. And they clearly view Roosh as a very important part of their their company. I, I I get that feeling every time they present him that Roosh is is their guy. So as I watch this and I watch story, he took a first loss. He had to take the first loss. He wasn't going to win that match. Um, but this was a nice like he looked really strong in this and was presented as serious. Now he's got three points on the board, tied with a couple other guys. I think this is one where Bruce might not have the same, again, level of story as I'm seeing from other guys, but he's going to come out of this, I hope, being 
being viewed as in that tier. Like, why is Rush in the... No, I don't think anyone questioned right. Rush being in this tournament. But if anyone did, I think by the time it's over, you're like, oh, I get it. He is at that level. Yeah, it's... It, it, it's interesting because Rush is one of these guys who... Like, depending on who's in the tournament, could he conceivably go the whole way? Yes. With some of the other guys in this tournament, I don't think he can go can go all the way, but he's like a middle guy. You know what I mean? Like he'll get some wins. He just won't go far. I don't know where the full story shakes out, but I'm along for the ride. Mark Briscoe's one that sort of worries me because I feel like he does need to do something, right? Like I think he needs to get a win here or there or maybe a time limit draw or something. But I I think he's just a guy who's not going to move on to anything here. I don't know what's going on with the story or if they're trying to tell any story with him or just know that we're going to put Mark Briscoe on TV and he's going to give us good matches. You know what I mean? Uh, because he, they had a good match tonight. It's just going to be really interesting to see sort of what happens um, with Mark Briscoe. Uh, I think there's a better shot of Mark Briscoe doing something with ring of honor at death before or sorry at final battle uh where he can he can win something uh and i think it truthfully it truthfully to me means more for him to win something in ring of honor just because of his lineage um so we'll see what happens but this was a highly entertaining match hard hitting roosh is awesome mark you know mark is mark he's awesome so um so it was a great match Moving on from this, backstage, RJ City's interviewing Tony Storm about her championship celebration and tells her uh, she's got a title defense next week. Uh, so, of course, timeless Tony Storm, uh, you know, is uh, basically saying, that's fine. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Uh, I think she said she had a touch of the gout. Is that what she said, Ryan? Do you recall? I think that was it. I It was something silly that for her. Yeah. Was like, oh. Yeah, but but Mariah uh, was there fanning her. Lutha was there. And then before RJ uh, left, she said, will you be a sweetheart and take my feet off? They're swelling a bit. Um, So so it had to be gout that if her feet are swelling, it's gout. I would assume it. she said gout. I couldn't really hear it and I didn't have the remote to go back. But um, but just more great stuff out of Tony Storm. I mean, this this whole gimmick is good to me. Yeah, I really enjoy the gimmick. I, I want to say I don't have much on this. I want to talk more about Mariah May's segment later. Yes, for sure. Uh, so we move on from that to MJF making his entrance to the ring, walking with his cane again. And he says that Samoa Joe is the hardest challenge ever. Uh, and he uh, and as a person, he doesn't like him, but professionally, he respects him. Uh, what he's done in the business and that. Uh, and, and that he didn't come here to line his pockets, but he did it because he believes in AEW. Back in early 2000s, MJF says that he got a TNA wrestling poster and tuned in, and he couldn't be any happier. He said that he saw insane feats of athleticism, new wrestlers, and most of all, the Samoan submission machine. And Joe may have never, uh, may have looked unconventional, excuse me, but he didn't care, and neither did we, because. We knew he was the baddest man walking on God's green earth. 
And unfortunately, later in his career, he wasn't afforded the opportunity to be a world champion in the WWE. But what did Joe, uh, what Joe did for the sport was bigger than that. He says he proved uh, you don't need to be a bodybuilder to be a top guy in the sport because Joe broke the mold and proves alternatives matter because uh, and because of the road he paved, MJF can stand before the crowd today. Uh, because without a guy like Joe, there may be no AEW. So as much as it pains him, he wants to thank Joe. However, he goes on to say that while very grateful to go down the road he paved, Max isn't too shabby uh, uh, himself. He paved a road of his own and built a new alternative, and he's been in AEW since day one and built it brick by brick. And December 30th isn't about Joe. It's all about MJF. And if he can outlast the final boss of the sport one last time, he doesn't care how bad his body falls apart. If Joe is King Kong and Godzilla incarnate, because he promises on December 30th, that it's not this, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, but the fight in the dog. And if Samoa Joe wants to take what's his, he'll have to put him down. So MJF snapped his cane over his knee, but that's when the lights go down. They start strobing, and then we see the goons hit the ring and hold MJF in place as one uh, goon uh, stands in front of him with a bat. And that's when uh, Joe makes the save just as he promised. He won't let anything happen to Max. Uh, so um, then there was a problem with the feed. Sorry, wrong button. Hi, Jesse Ozog. I had to make it. I right. like that one more. What? Oh. It's Jesse. And Ryan actually waved. You know what? For that, <laughs> that got me good. Um, so Ryan, the production snafu happened at this point, and I was just like, oh God, what is happening? But then as they come back. Uh, Joe and, um, and MJF are in the ring sort of pacing around. And then we hear typing and they show that on the screen, uh, somebody is typing, you know, a couple of things out saying that in the shadows, the game begins and Joe and Max will face the, uh, and if Joe and Max will have it, will they face the unknown in a tag match? Is MJF a hero? So Max is, uh, Max is apoplectic to say the least uh joe is trying to talk him off the ledge but mjf says he's sick of this scooby-doo bullshit and he won't deal with their crap while joe is breathing down his neck so he'll take them out one by one and unmask the devil himself and if he wants a tag match he's on but joe is really upset uh and mjf tells him uh basically tells him off and we go to break so a lot of stuff happening here, Ryan. Uh, one, uh, MJF giving Joe his flowers. Um, then basically being like, but I did it myself. So not really, really, not really. And then with the devil and the goons, Mrs. Money thought it was uh, surprising they already have merch. I said, yeah, I'm surprised they already have their own stuff too. Um and then the whole production thing really fucked me up in the middle too. Cause I was like, did we see everything? Did we miss something? So either way, it's, it seems like we're going to have a tag match next week. 
Um, what did you think about this whole thing, Ryan? I think so. A couple things. One, I don't know why, but the cane cracks me up. I know he's legitimately hurt, both hip and shoulder, but the cane just cracks me up. If it's even in his babyface era, Max is a bit pretentious, so it fits that very well. Um, and just just to call I, out, just to call out the yeah. injury too. Yes, legitimately injured the hip and the shoulder. And at one point, Ryan, I think I saw that he had tweeted out that he needed surgery and then quickly deleted it. So I think they're trying to rehab it with no surgery just to get him to the thirtieth. Yeah, that's what I had heard. They're trying the rehab angle, which. Even if you're not trying to get to a, uh, you know, a, a pay per view, sometimes it's a smarter way to go because surgery sucks. Um, so the one thing I want to question though is, so you have the, uh, I don't know what you call them, the 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 little the demons, I guess you call them, because if it's oh, the devil, then you have yeah. the demons. Sure. So you you have the de- the demons come out and they attack MJF. One thing I'm going to be paying attention for is when the devil gets revealed. And if, if the devil's alone and he's just hiring out mercenaries, fine. But if the devil gets revealed as part of like a group, I'm really going to try to size these guys up because that lead d- demon was a pretty big boy. Like really yes. broad. Yes. He so was. it's going to be really funny if like, it's not a really big boy when they, uh, you know, <laughs> when it gets revealed. Yeah. Yeah. I just hope so that big demon isn't um, shit. What's his name? Bordeaux. Uh, remember, he was part of Swerve's crew. Parker Bordeaux. I don't think they would go. I mean, I hope maybe, not. but if they go that route, then he really does have to just be like, they, like, then the the devil has to really just be like, yeah, I just bring in whatever guys I want, and then they beat you up. Um, but I don't think that's the route they're going. Uh, I still part of me like I know it, it. It listen when he laughed last week. It sounded like Jack Perry. I have a feeling it's probably Jack Perry. Part of me still prays it's the Dark Order. Um, I just think it's a better story personally. But it could be the Dark Order with Jack Perry. Like they don't have to necessarily. Obviously, he's not part of the Dark Order, but that he could be like using them. Um, but anyway, which would be funny because they don't have anyone that big. But that's a whole different story, right? Anywho, uh. I liked this this face off. Um, listen, I think Joe's the one who's going to, as SJ puts it, kick MJF's ass and get the title. I think that's Joe's role. I think actually do think he's going to wind up with the title at some point. I think they're going to want the title on him, and he. Uh... Wait, I sorry, I got confused by someone who couldn't make it to our show, but they're in the chat saying, "Can they be Dementors instead of instead of Demons?" Dementors were the worst part of the clink, after all. That's true, but this isn't jail. I didn't love the gruel either. Yeah, the gruel wasn't good either. Um, I, I do think I think they want to get the title on the Joe, and Joe is one you're probably going to want to go to sooner rather than later because you just never know what's going to happen. He has had injuries in the past. Um, but I don't. I hope they lose the tag titles. I really do. You done with them having the tag titles? Like. Joe has his title shot whether they have the tag titles or not. Um, so Joe can kind of screw uh, MJF right here and lose them, and and it doesn't take him away from the title. Uh, I just think you're you're holding them hostage. It, I didn't like the idea when both MJF and 
and and Adam Cole were healthy, I thought it was stupid to tie up the titles with these guys. I especially hate it when they're both hurt. Like, it just, you have so many good young teams that are competing weekly in ROH that could benefit from being in these feuds or have the belts. Get them off these guys. So, I liked it. Like I said, I'm, I'm excited. for The Joe MJF part of the MJF stuff has been some of my favorite because Joe's so serious and he's so real. So, he kind of balances out some of the ridiculousness that's been going on. And I enjoy ridiculousness, but it's been a nice... uh a nice balance that that they've had. And SJ, I hate to tell you, I don't think Roddy has been hurt forever. His neck, Ryan, my God, come on. I don't agree. I think it's faking. He's a faker. Well, um, I'll say this. The interesting thing is going to be what happens at World's End because is that the name of the show? I keep saying World's End. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is, yes. Sorry. Um. I think the interesting thing is going to be what happens there because I think a lot of it truly is going to depend on MJF's um, MJF shoulder, right? I think it really is going to depend because if his shoulder isn't getting better and um, he's not going to be able to defend that belt because he's got to have surgery or something, there's nothing else you can do but have him lose to Joe. So I think at this point in time, they're trying to put some of these, you know, sort of these thoughts in your head, because I think they're sort of in a wait and see pattern, right? Like, yes, the match will happen next week, but I don't think we're going to see, I don't think we're going to really see MJF do anything because I feel like they're not sure how bad his shoulder is. Like they know it's injured. They know there's a tear in the labrum, but I don't know if they know really how severe it is. So I think you get them to world's end at that point, you see how bad it is. And if it's to the point where he's going to need surgery and he's going to be, you know, maybe out for even a month, you know, I think you have to consider giving the belt up. Um, so that's one. I think the tag titles too. I think the tag titles are changing hands at some point because Adam Cole's nowhere near ready, right? Like he, he's going to have to rehab. He's going to have to work the, on it, on the ankle. So I think you get the belts off them there. So I think it's, you know, it's just a matter of time and figuring out where all this is going to happen. But I don't think that in any reality, MJF vacates titles. You know what I mean? I think he, will lose them legitimately, not just being like, I got to have surgery. I'm going to be out for a couple months. Uh, you know, I'm going to relinquish the title. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this segment was, was exactly what it needed to be. Joe made the save. He lived up to his deal. It's just going to be who is the devil. And I know next week we have this tag match. When they got back from commercial, uh, commentary was talking about how the devil has control of the lighting and their feed and all this sort of stuff. So, um, you know, it was confirmed the match is official for next week, but I don't think it's going to be the devil. I think it's going to be the just two demons and we're going to get some of their identities, uh, but we're not going to get the, the devil just yet. The problem is, I agree. I, I actually like that idea. 
you got to be very careful then on who are the demons. Yeah. If you if you reveal them, if you keep masks on them the whole time and never reveal them, you're fine. But if you reveal the demons, you got to be very careful that they don't tip tip anyone off to who the, the devil is. No, I don't disagree with you. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's just going to be interesting to see who it actually is because there's a lot of names that are out there. Gordon Post put in the chat, you know, Sammy Callahan. That's a name I've seen floating around there. I don't think that does anything for anybody. So, you know, so I don't think that should be it. Uh, you the know, devil storyline was happening to Orange Cassidy. Not maybe, even Orange Cassidy. I had to even blow him, I think. Uh, and I love Orange Cassidy. But I'm just saying not main event. Um, even Moxley, though, because Moxley, Sammy have a history. Yeah. But it would have to be someone lo- like I'd say more mid card than you're not you're not bringing sammy to feud with your 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 world champ right off the bat you're just not right and how do they connect the dots yeah you know what i mean like why sammy um so we'll see what happens um but uh we will have a match next week um schlong moving on after this we get ar fox and wardlow uh remember last week Wardlow headbutted AR Fox, so I guess this is the match. Uh it wasn't a straight squash, but Wardlow does win by referee stoppage with a last ride uh power bomb uh at the end of the symphony. So um I don't necessarily have much to say about this schlong. I don't know if you do. Just that there was a second in my head where I thought. Are they going to let AR Fox have a competitive match? And then he did the backflip off of the apron and it, Wardlow caught him. And I'm like, the moonsault off the apron and Wardlow caught him. And I'm like, nope, they're not giving him a shot in hell. And that was kind of well. I mean, there was a little bit of back and forth, but not like a real match. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's the story they're telling with Wardlow. And who better to bump for Wardlow than, uh, than AR Fox, right? Because that guy can do crazy shit and he can be thrown around like a rag doll. So, yep. Um, perfect way for Wardlow to still look like a monster. Uh, and then Schlong, we get uh, we get a trios match, and we wanted to talk a little bit about the trios. Uh, you know, we said we'd get to it in the first half, uh, or in the second half when we were talking before the break. But we get Action Andretti and Top Flight, a returning Don, uh, Dante Martin to action in their hometown versus Brother Zay and the Hardy Boys. Um, Getting to the end of this match, uh, Action Andretti and Top Flight do win by pinfall with a full Nelson slam from Dante on Brother Zay. So Dante successful in a trios match in the return. But, Splong, it seems like they're lining this up as a trio to do something sort of um, meaningful in that division, which I'm all for it. I think they're highly entertaining, Action Andretti and Top Flight. Um, So... Uh, I'm here to see where it goes, but I do I do hope that they start to develop something more with the trios. Yeah, because what else is going on with the trios division? Absolutely goddamn nothing. So this would be a fun team to come in and 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 build not build around, but like, you know, build up some fun feuds. Um they gotta, you know, obviously the acclaim gotta come back. You have teams, you have plenty of trios out there that you could use. Just put them in matches and it'll happen. I did read a couple weeks back that um, Mark Quinn had been around AEW and 
there's some rumor he might be back. Like no one knows when he'll be back, but there's hope that he's on his recovery because he's been hurt. I would love to see him come back and get private party going again. I think Zay's great. And I think while he's making the most of his time with the Hardys, he'd be better served, you know, Quinn coming back and and those two doing their thing. Um, but yeah, I want the back back to the thing. I want the trios. And actually I love the idea that they didn't just say, well, um, Dante's back, so Andretti, you're out. I love that they said no. You've been subbing in with, with whatever brother's been hurt, not hurt. You're a trio, and you were three of the most athletically gifted people in the world. So what's the? I did well. I'm going to steal your thunder for a second because I'm very I'm I'm on a roll. What's the first thing they do after that match? Walk right into to um Penta, Ray yep. and um Commander, right? Yep. Uh, it was uh, it was Penta, Commander, and Vikingo. Oh, that's right. Not not Ray. Ray's Ray can't. Ray's having his has is hurt. Vikingo. Three awesome luchadors going. Let's do this. That match is going to be insane. I'm so pumped for it. But it shows that they're clearly investing in the at least. I'm not going to speak long term, but at least for this week and uh, the next week, investing in some time into the trios division. Where you're saying match here, match here, neither of which has anything to do with the title. And I also failed to mention, Ryan, I forgot before the match, they showed the injury. Um, and it was still very difficult to watch for Dante Martin. So to see um, you know, the injury and then to see him in action. Just glad to see he still clearly has his mobility, right? Uh, can still do the things he used to do. Um, so that match next week, because it was he got injured on that spot with Penta, uh, will be good to see them going at each other again. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens with the trios. The acclaimed are, you know, laid up um, because they got beat up by uh, the demons, right? So. Uh, we'll see what happens and who their next challengers are, but it looks like we're lining up some, some possible teams for them. So we shall see Ryan, but we then move on to, uh, our, uh, TBS championship match of the night, uh, under house rules. It's Emmy Sakura versus Julia Hart. And for those maybe who don't recall the house rules, uh, it's a 22nd, um, count outside of the ring no rope breaks disqualifications are enforced um and uh there is a fourth rule uh that the challenger gets to call their shot and emmy sakura called that you no wins by submission uh so she sort of took that away from julia hart because she she does have a submission finisher um however um at the end of this match, Julia Hart does win by pinfall with the moonsault to retain the AEW TBS championship. Um, so, Schlong, uh, glad to see House Rules back in effect, right? Uh, I really didn't want them sort of getting rid of those. Um, so I'm glad that they found another way to use them. Uh, and I thought that this match was, was good. Um, you know, you'd expect nothing nothing less than that of Emmy Sakura and to see Julia Hart hold her own in the ring was good for me. Great use of house rules. 
they kind of let that fall aside with the, with the Hasselback trios. Real happy that that uh, Julia's picked it back up because I loved it. Made this match interesting because she does have a uh, a submission finisher finisher, so it needed her to get clever. Uh, there was a move in the match where Emmy had. I don't know. I mean, I'm really bad at describing this. this. Is why this is Kate segment when she talks. But where Emmy had um, Julia up, upside down, and she was like holding her upside down, straight upside down, and she did the four, like she looked at all four sides of the ring. And I, as she's making it around, fans aren't really getting it. And by the end, they were cheering. I'm like, people, are, like I'm like, people really got to appreciate just how good Emmy Sakura is. Like she does some fun stuff in her matches. She has oh she has so much experience. She I, I think this match was a lot of fun. I mean, I think it made Julia look really good. Again, that moment wasn't positive for Julia, but it was just something to me like people suddenly buying into Emmy where I don't think they were before. Um and then you know Julia having to find a way to win. Um it is is it was fun because it shows her her growth as a wrestler and i think one of the worst things that you could happen is that you get everyone sees your match coming everyone knows what you're going to do what so i like this for someone like julia be like oh look she's winning in a different way so that was a lot of fun uh and and a little different for julia because emmy's kind of a heel so you have a little bit different of a of a layout there, heel versus heel, which makes Julia wrestle a different style. I, I I really appreciate. It. I like you know I don't want them to do what they did with Chris Statlander, which is Statlander was just kind of like the open challenge champion, which is kind of also what Shade was. They need to give Julia some stories. It's still early enough on that that's okay. They're you know feeling the way a little bit, but right come World's End, I want whatever match she has there to have been built for at least three weeks of a story. Yeah. Yeah, no. I I think everything they're doing with Julia Hart is good. This was a good match for Emmy. Uh, you know, even though she lost, you know, she's going to help Julia look good, right? She's been doing this for forever. So you're sure to get uh something good from Emmy with whoever she's facing. So um so yeah, this was a this was a good match uh and um we'll see what's next for Julia Hart. Um, but after this, we get Mariah May interviewed backstage, uh, with RJ city. And she thanks RJ for introducing her to Tony storm. It means the world to her. Um, but she wants to sort of step out and show what she can do on her own. Uh, and she says to wish her luck and, um, she knocks on Tony Khan's door, uh, and goes in to talk to him. So we will see what's up for Mariah May. Uh, but you know, Schlong, I do think we need to get her in the ring and, um, you know, and, and, and let people see what she can do. I, I, I agree. So the, I'm, I'm getting, I'm trying to, um, see if the, it's nothing there was, I saw, a uh, uh, a gif earlier of RJ is that's what I was looking for as you were going, you were going through it. Um, his awkwardness was perfect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, He's great. and Mariah May, like, 
basically hitting on him because he's got ties to Tony and his inability to read that signal or at least appropriately act on that signal was hilarious. Uh, I, I just, I loved it. I love the whole thing. I made Mariah look real. Cause at the end when he kind of, when it became obvious to her that he just had, no, he was just not playing along. She, her face changed. She looked like, like, almost, like she didn't do that look, but it was like almost a look of like, what the hell? And I love seeing that from her because that's the second time now where she has told us about her character saying nothing. Now she's done a lot saying stuff, but she also told us about her character saying nothing. That always bodes well for when you're getting further. And then the trick is we didn't know what Tony she was talking about. That's right. She gets to that store and that's Tony. Ah, I cannot wait until Tony Storm loses her mind. Because Mariah May is is succeeding, it's going to be hilarious. And I think I I don't need a I'm going to be very careful on phrases because I don't need it to be a love at like a love interest angle. I need it to be a weird relationship angle between Mariah May and RJ City, and I don't know what how that would work. But I want Mariah May to be pulling RJ away from Tony a bit. Yeah. Incidentally, like I want RJ to be too dumb to realize what's happening, and. Tony Storm just be getting furious. Like that's I'm I'm all I'm hoping some version of that story is happening. But I love this. I think Mariah May like I don't know much about her wrestling. I'm not gonna pretend I do. But so far, everything I've seen from her character work, I'm I'm very 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 bought in. Yeah, this has been good work. Just sort of establishing who she is as like a fanatic of Tony Storm. And now wanting to sort of step out on her own. So we'll see what's up next for Mariah May. I assume she's going to get a match next week. Uh, so we'll see what happens. You just may. Oh, crap. I like it. Uh, Schlong Christian Cage. Um, Christian Cage uh, makes his entrance to get on the mic after this. Uh, and he is, you know, surrounded by security and he calls out Adam Copeland uh, and says, they're not going to make it to Montreal for the match that he challenged him to. He says that he recently took a road trip uh, to figure out why he's become the man he is and why he doesn't, uh, why he does such unsavory things. But it reminded him of borrowing his mom's car um, early in his career. And they didn't care about being a joke. Um, he doesn't care that Adam grew up with a single mom and not having a father figure. And he's not suggesting that Christian's not suggesting he's his father, but he's his brother and his father became Adam's father. And to this day, his dad is still Copeland's biggest fan. They weren't two random guys thrown together because he actually loves him. And when Edge's mom passed away a few years ago, that was the hardest time of his life. Sorry, I said Edge. I mean Adam Copeland. Excuse me. My apologies. When Adam's mom passed away a few years ago, that was the hardest time of his life. She said she'd love to see him, uh, to see them team one last time. And on that drive, Christian started thinking about it, and he wants to do it for her. And to go on this journey again as a tag team, just like he said, for Judy. And so Adam uh looks away thinking about it and christian rears up with the belt 
but Adam had it scouted with a knee into the groin. Uh, and he tells him it was a nice try, but he needs uh, to shine the TNT title up real nice because next week uh, he's coming for him. And by the way, Adam Copeland also said he forgot. Go fuck yourself. And might I add, Ryan, it was not a go yourself. It was a straight up over the air, go fuck yourself, followed by after it was over. Yes, they they did not do a good job of catching that. No. Uh, So, Shlong, beyond the whoopsie of the night, um, I liked the way that Christian was playing this off, right? Like, uh, he clearly knows he's in trouble now. (laughs) So he's, you know, tugging at heartstrings like a shit heel would do. Um, So I I liked this. And he also sent the security away before they started talking. Um, But we will get... Uh, in Montreal, a TNT title shot for Adam Copeland. Uh, I would think they're going to give him that belt, but maybe not. Maybe there's some uh, shenanigans involved. So we will see. But Ryan, what did you think of the the promo? Uh, so how, how the fudge, because I don't want to be fined by the, uh, the FCC, um, how the fudge did... Christian Cage working a dad angle for his friend who is the same age as him in their late 40s who or 50s now who have kids. How did you work in a dad angle? And not have it be about you being a dad, have it about your dad. Like that is magnificent. He's just great. That that like that is just incredible. I also love the difference in attire. I, I saw someone online say like uh, Copeland looks like he drives a, a Harley. Uh, Christian looks like he drives a Vespa. Like it's just the dichotomy and how they dress is perfect. I do appreciate that Copeland got the better of him, you know, because he should know, again, logic. He should know his best friend. If you've been best friends with Christian your entire life, you know, he's going to try to hit you with a goddamn belt. And you know that he thinks he's smarter than everyone. So you catch him and you kick him in the nuts and call him a dumbass. Uh, and then tell him to go fuck himself and I'll have it be bleep, which was just incredible. Does do you know? I don't know if you know, she probably won't, but does AEW control the bleeping or does does uh, TBS? To be honest, I don't know who catches it. I think like like if you're on radio, Ryan, like there's a dump button and the show yeah. producer has to catch it. I would assume it's the same thing for television. I would think that uh, it is AEW's job to catch it in their production truck because they have it before it goes live to the feed. So I I wasn't sure if that was a, uh, I assumed it was AEW, but just for the all chance that, you know, these places sometimes might want to put their own people in just to be safe. I wasn't sure if it was a TBS thing. Um, Because unlike radio where you're hired by the station, you're not like what I mean by that is that the station you're a station employee on TBS. You're not a station employee when you're not a show, empo- you know, a state channel employee or AEW. So right. I wasn't sure. Um, 
Hold on, I gotta address something. One LT, we're aware that FIFA went quite long because one of our co-hosts decided to screw us. We're not gonna say anything. We're not gonna. We're not gonna get heated. Two. Um, well, no, one is on that show that went long. Uh, so I. But either way, the, I'm glad it got missed because it was just so great to hear. Go fuck yourself. So funny. I I, I really like the way. Uh, Edge has been handling this feud. Uh, Copeland, sorry. I'm, I mean, he's forever fucking Edge. What, what are we? I doing know. Here? I know. They, they, they should have just found a way to call him Edge, but spell it differently or something. Um, but it, I'm trying to think about what I want to say because I have it. I'm worried that what's going to happen. Actually, why am I worried? I know what's going to happen. They're going to go to have their match next week. And Luchasaurus, Kill Switch, whatever you want to call him, or Nick, Nick Wayne. They're, one of them is interfering, and and and, and that's what sucks. Because I like the way, I I have one other thing I've liked about the the Continental Classic is that there's no outside interference. It's all clean losses, clean wins, mm-hmm. which is which when AEW started, I loved that about them. There was it was a lot more clean losses and clean wins, less interference. Because um, you thought, you know, it was just the way it was. And then they've lately kind of fallen into like the outside interference deciding matches. So I, I haven't been thrilled about that. So I, I'm I'm hoping I'm wrong, but I'm feeling that's what's going to happen. But either way, I think Edge, listen, we all know Christian's amazing. We all know he has been killing it since he, since basically they let him start in this company. Um, I'm I'm real happy that Copeland seems to be fitting in just as well so far. He's yeah. he's kind of. I guess it doesn't hurt though to to be playing off your best friend, who you worked yeah. with for how many years? Yeah, I mean, pretty much almost your entire career, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, listen, I see a lot of chatter out there about. Um, I see a lot of chatter out there about how this edge thing isn't working and I don't understand it because I think this is a natural story to tell. Right. And you'd want to sort of, um, you'd want to sort of like have this happen, uh, at some point, you know what I mean? Like, and I think that this first thing, that you do is you just you you address the elephant in the room you know what i mean like you don't make people sit you go with the story that's sort of naturally there like christians here we spend our career together i want one last you know sort of run i have had no problem with anything going on with adam copeland it's just weird to see a lot of chatter on social or even in sheets you know where opinions are being thrown out that this whole edge experiment isn't working. I, I, I'm entertained by it, and this is the natural story to tell. So I just, I find it weird. It's funny because I, I mean, we follow different people. I haven't seen that. Most everyone, I most, God damn, I hate myself. Yeah, I most heard everyone it. I follow, uh, when I can pick up my accent, I really hate myself. Uh, most everyone I follow has been in on it. So it is kind of funny to see the dichotomy of people out there. 
I don't know what people expected of him either, though. Like, he still is. Adam Copeland still is actually. So he's still going to have all the things you hated about him before. Like, he wasn't hated, but if you hated anything about him before, you're going to still hate some of that because some of that's still going to exist. Sure. But also, if he didn't start his run in AEW feuding or teaming one or the other with Christian, it would have been insane. It would have just been the stupid because how do you not acknowledge that? Um, so I like I said, and I think I think Copeland's been nailing this. I think he's I liked him trying to avoid it, and I liked him being kind of like forced into it. And again, he's he's actually I think limited his his talking. Like I think one of the things he did wrong in uh, WWE sometimes was he talked for a long, 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 long time. Right. And I feel like he's done a smart job here, being like because he sounds very natural. So I think he's done a, a smart job being like, well, I have all the skill to to talk naturally. Let me just cut it in half, and people will. And I loved it. I've been, I'm in all in on this story. So, well, next week we're gonna get it when they make their debut in Montreal. So, um, so I look forward to that match. I don't know how it's gonna turn out, but you know, I assume there might be some shenanigans. And if not, you know what? If Edge does wind up winning the TNT Championship, then I'm here for it. Like, I think it's perfectly fine. So moving on from the promo, which, by the way, I thought was fantastic. I thought it was a great promo. I don't know if I said that, but I thought it was all perfect. And I love the go fuck yourself, not the go yourself. So I'll always pop for uh, F-bombs sliding through. Uh, So Shlong, we're now at the main event of the night, and it is our third Continental Classic Gold League match. Uh, this is winner versus winner, heel versus heel, switchblade, Jay White versus Shane Swerve Strickland, both at three points. <clears throat> and somebody's looking to take um somebody's looking to take a, a substantial lead in this uh tournament by getting the six points along with John Moxley. So a lot of hard hitting sort of chopping and crazy moves throughout this. But as we do get to the end. Uh, Jay hits a a sleeper suplex, uh, but Shane reverses and Shane Strickland does win by a pinfall with a crucifix, earning himself three more, um, three more points. Uh, so, um, so Swerve takes, uh, takes a, a lead here with Moxley. Um, Swerve, as we've been saying, Ryan is sort of like a made man at this point, right? You don't have a showing like the Texas death match and then just go back to the bottom, or at least we hope you don't. So good showing from, from Swerve, good showing from Jay White here too. And Jay White was not happy with the outcome at the end of this match. So, uh, we'll see what's going to happen with, uh, switch next. But what did you think of the, uh, of the match? Fucking incredible. Um I the that was it was fast. Like those those two went through sequences, but not in a like there there's going through sequences fast where I think like um it's almost like what are we doing because you're not selling anything, like even as I as just a viewer, not a wrestler, watch it and go like none of this makes sense. Like you just took six pile drivers, how are you running? Like, but not like that. It was more like you could tell they were taking damage, but they just moved so smoothly that they they were. It was everything was so quick. Uh 
I know Switchblade lost, but kicking out of the um, stomp is is a big check in his direction, showing how tough he is. Uh, and at like at like two and three quarters, you know what I mean? Um, like, I don't know how people are. I don't know how you can be so good to time it like that. I'd be so nervous. Like I'd be, I, I, this is why I couldn't be a pro wrestler. Cause I'd be kicking out at one and just fear that I would be late in my shoulder. Um, so I, it was just, again, there were, there was, there was move after move. Uh, you know, you, then, um, switchblade hits the, the blade runner, but Swerve gets out of the ring, which is just luck on like a kind of luck. I mean, smart by Swerve, but also a little bit of lucky, which again, building up switchblade, to then have him lose to Swerve, which was just like Swerve is the made man. You said it. Swerve is the main man. Swerve is going. Swerve should be. No matter what happens in the MJF Joe feud, Swerve is on his way to being competing for that belt and hopefully at some point winning it because he's just. He's insane right now. Um, I'm very interested. So. I'm obviously very interested in his story, but I kind of have an idea what's going on there. Very curious what they're doing with Switchblade. He has three points, so he's not like he's not Daniel Garcia, he's not Eddie Kingston, he's not one of these guys who who uh, who has nothing. And you're like, uh oh. Even though uh, Kingston only has one match, but still, he he has his three, so he's you can know he can win. Um, I'm wondering. I didn't. This is where I would like a. Again, uh, and it's not, you know, as far as I know, you're not, you like New Japan, but you're not a heavy follower. You're like me. You watch it if you, if you can have the opportunity to watch it, but you're not. Mm-hmm. This is where Matt or Kate would come in handy, Matt, especially, actually, to be quite honest. And I do watch their stuff, but this is a history question of NJPW. Of Is there a, a crueler, more, not sadistic, but like a, more intense version of switchblade because I feel like they're trying to build to bring that back out to bring that side out. And I'm wondering if that's a new side or if we're bringing that side out, it doesn't really matter for the story, but I do think that's where that's going. Like he's, I love the bang bang. Do not get me wrong. And I Mm -hmm. still think he works with the bang bang gang, even if he's super serious kicking ass, but I do think he has been a little, it's not silly, but he's taken things a little lightheartedly. Started with MJF because he thought he had the upper hand. And then he won one match here. So you're like, okay. But then he loses. Like, so I'm hoping um, this is the stuff. Like, he, I, I would love even like a, like a 30 second promo being like, I'm better than this. I know I'm better than this. I have been taking things too light because I am that good. And I didn't think I had to try. You're about to see Switchblade trying, and I because then boom, and in a heartbeat, you're you're, you're he's a new man and he's coming out and dominating. Uh, right. I see questions in in the chat of is Switchblade is Switchblade to win it all by pieces, um, and then one LT photo saying that Switchblade has to be a favorite. Um, I think I think Swerve is the favorite, though I don't want Swerve to have that belt. So I'm going to say this in a weird way. If it, if I take it pure sport, Swerve is the favorite. He's he's mm-hmm. on the Swerve and Danielson are the favorites. They're on the hottest run at this point. Danielson's hasn't had a match yet, but he's Danielson, and Swerve is on a run. 
knowing the way wrestling works as a fan, not behind scene, but as a fan having watched it however many years, I don't think Swerve is taking this belt. So to me, he's not the favorite. He's going to get as close as you can, somehow get screwed out of the belt, and he will get screwed out of it somehow. I don't think he'll lose clean, and he will move on to to, to the more main event picture. I don't. But I do think they want to give this belt though to someone at a high level because they want to establish it as something important. Switchblade would be a very interesting choice because he would establish it as important, and he's got those New Japan ties. And it's going to combine the new Japan ROH thing. So he's a very interesting choice for this belt. And they do, you know, they have mentioned numerous times that he has this tournament experience in new Japan, right? He knows how to sort of leave something in the tank to be able to get to the next match. To your other point though, um, Schlong about, is there a different, you know, Jay white? Yes. You know, when he was in new Japan and leading the bullet club, you know, um, there was definitely a more serious tone. Bullet Club Gold is is for me almost like a little too cocksure a lot of the time. And then in New Japan, I feel like yeah, they're still a little sort of like you know a little overly sure of himself. But that's sort of how they are, right? Because they run deep, they roll deep, and they're the they're the hardest hitters on the block, right? So so you always have to watch out for them. I do think I'm with you though. We're we're probably on the cusp of seeing a different sort of uh Jay White than we've seen to this point in time. Although Peace has also said it here, uh Swerve is just the second guy to pin Switchblade, apparently. They did say during the match that um Jay White's uh I think winning percentage was something like ninety-six percent. So he doesn't lose a lot in singles matches. Uh, he's probably eaten a couple in uh, some of the tag matches they've had, uh, but he's not eating the pin in singles competition. You know, he was like 96% going to drop a little bit because of tonight. But I mean, I still think he's a strong, a strong competitor. Um, you know, I just think that I think that, <clears throat> excuse me, it's possible to get to the end of this and have, you know, Danielson or um, Eddie Kingston getting all the way to the end and then not not winning it, you know, having them lose in the final. It sort of like elevates the person who beat them. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, this was uh, a, a crazy good main event. Uh, not, and that's not just me giving sort of a company line, right? Like, because that's, you know, we talk about AEW, we're, we're critical of them at all times, uh, or, you know, when we can find critical stuff that we don't like, but I, um, yeah, I'm just, this tournament intrigues me. Like, I just don't know where we're going at all times. And like you said, to your point earlier in the first half, you know, these things are fun most of the time where it's like you have something shocking or a surprise come in. So uh, I don't know where this is going, but I'm here for it. You know what I mean? It's um, it's going to be interesting to see how both uh, leagues sort of shake out. Um, yeah, this is this is just a good time. It's the best way to say it. 
Yeah. And and this was just the gold tonight. So we get the blue matches on Saturday. Um, so you know, make sure you're tuning into collision because we do have our, our blue league matches set. So Schlong, that was dynamite. Uh a couple of things just uh of note here. Um uh so obviously we know Will Ospreay is coming to AEW. He signed, he just has to finish his commitments to New Japan. Um so uh that being said, Will Ospreay is um is scheduled for uh New Japan um in uh San Jose at the Civic Center. Um, you know, so they are still sort of heavily featuring um Will Ospreay. He's gonna be going up against Okada. Um and then there's a, a number of other talents who are already announced, but we don't necessarily know what's happening for New Japan. So Osprey living his best life, being able to finish up his New Japan stuff, and then he'll come over, you know, once that's done to AEW full time. And for those maybe who didn't see it, uh, he did a great, uh, there was a great uh, SI piece on Will Osprey. Um, and um, was it written by a human? Oh, well, that's a good question. I'm not 100% sure. I believe it is, but we'd have to see if, uh, let me see who wrote it. I had it up here and I can't find it. Uh, written by, huh? It doesn't say. So okay. it could be intriguing. But if you didn't read that, if you didn't read that article, um, Will Osprey's like the the pull quote out of it, and even the headline says, uh, "Will Osprey said what I did in 2023. I'm going to up it in 2024." So a lot of a lot of good stuff coming up from uh from Will Osprey, but he is scheduled uh Saturday, January 13th at the San Jose Civic Center. So if you're if you're out that way or you're heading out that way, maybe think about checking out the battle for the in the valley. Uh let's see, Schlong. The other big news that happened this week is that QT Marshall resigned from AEW. Um, you know, so he did put a statement out um, on X saying, thank you, AEW. Thank you, Tony Khan. I've had the, had the privilege of being here since day one, and I've written over 750 different formats for all elite wrestling and always with pride. As much as I've enjoyed being a VP, manager of uh vp manager talent uh manager of talent relations excuse me uh and wearing a myriad of hats the company's changed a lot since 2019 and is headed in a different direction and i feel it's best uh i uh do the same uh as we only get one chance to go all in i've officially resigned from AEW and will have fulfilled all of my obligations until end of 2023 um thank you to everyone from the front office to the production truck and some of the hardest working talent in the sport most importantly thank you to all those who booed cheered and took part in this uh in this season of my life uh so schlong the rumors are that the direction that aew is going as we sort of alluded to before is more new japan uh this tournament style where maybe you have these little stories that sort of come out afterwards um if that's what 
you know, there's some other places that are saying uh, it was because he visioned himself being more of an on-screen performer than sort of behind the scenes, whatever. Um, other people are also out there saying that um, once Cody left, everything that he was doing was sort of diminished. But he did hold three major titles in the company. Uh, not belts, but major job titles in the company. Um. So, uh, in addition to that, uh, there were a number of professionals uh, who were sort of giving uh, QT uh, some praise on X. You could find all that stuff. But Schlong, what do, what do you think about QT moving on? So I don't. I anyone who apparently knows the way AEW works said he. And this isn't a knock. This is me saying I don't know the way the back works. Um, said he did. He did a lot for them. And so that anytime someone who does a lot for your show leaves, that's that's a big, a big miss. Apparently, very good wrestler. Every wrestler who trained under him said he was a great wrestling coach. Um, everyone seemed to have good words to say about him. I, I it's probably it's got to be a loss for the company. Then you can't have a guy who's been around that long who had that many roles and not have it be a loss. Um, I don't know, like you know, like you said, there's been mixed reports on what what caused it. Some people are said like the, I saw it from House of Wrestling saying, uh, Nick Housman saying it was the New Japan thing. Uh, then it, that would some people in the company denied that to like Fightful. I'm not. I don't know who's right because both people have sources, and you know, let's also be fair here. That comes out, and you don't really want to bury a guy or get in that debate. You're not. You're going to deny it right away anyway. So like, there's a whole. I'm not taking sides of that. I can see visually that they do seem to be going more new Japan based on some stuff we've talked about. So that's, that'd be, um, that'd be interesting. I, you know, listen, I, it sucks, but also at the end of the day, he seems to be, do, he seems to be the one wanting to do it. So good for him. I hope he finds moves on to something. He really enjoys doing next. Um, clearly he has roles form in, in the wrestling industry. He could, he has a school. He could continue to coach there. He could wrestle other places. He could go to TNA. He, he, he's got options. He's not, he's not locked in. Um, I also don't think, you know, as much as it is a loss for AEW, I don't think you're going to, I don't think it'll be noticeable. No, because I think most of what he was doing was behind the scenes. Um, you know, they had QTV, but they could spin that if they want to keep it going, you know, so We'll see what happens, but um, yeah, I think no matter what, if he goes to get a job somewhere else, he's going to have plenty of people who can vouch for him. Um, that's for sure. Uh, if you've been following the people who've been posting about him on uh, on X. Uh, Schlong, the other thing that, that happened is that uh, Mercedes Monet shared that uh, she's training for her return uh, to in-ring action. Um, so... Uh, she put a video up called the countdown begins on YouTube. Uh, she can be seen training in the ring. Um, the right ankle, which she had surgery on was sort of a focus in, in at moments. Um, uh, you know, she's wearing a brace. It doesn't seem to be holding her back. Um, but the other thing here too, Schlong is that with all of this going on, a lot of the rumors started kicking up that the WWE is making a strong play to get her to come back. So my question to you, Schlong, is 
Do you want to see her going back to the E as Sasha Banks? Or do you want to see what she can do, you know, elsewhere? Because I'm interested. We know what we were getting from her in, in WWE and it's a different ecosystem. I'm more than happy to see her come work in AEW. Um, and, and I think that she could have different types of matches than she used to have in the E. So, so Shlong, what do you think? I think I would like to see her like she got hurt so early on in her attempt to to go um you know try for whatever uh try to be out on her own. I would like to see her be able to at least have a somewhat of a run before she she stops. But she's good. Listen, if she goes back to WWE, she's gonna she's gonna do awesome there. But would I like to at least see her have a, even a short run before she would go back? Yes, because I think there's a lot on the table that she didn't get to, to try because of how quickly she got hurt. Yeah, no, you're right. It's a valid point, but you can find the video on YouTube if you want to see um, all that. Uh, Tay Mello and Sammy welcomed their child into the world, so congratulations to Sammy and Tay. Uh, Luna Mello Guevara, born 11, 28, eight, four, eight, uh, pounds, four ounces, um, 24 plus hours of labor. Um, and that is direct from a Mello. Uh, they put a picture up there on X and all social. So you can see, you know, the baby, but, um, seems like everything went well. So maybe. You know, I think part of the absence of Sammy was one, not being cleared because of the concussion, but also two, um, you know, the fact that she was so close to to giving birth. So maybe now if Sammy's cleared, now that the baby's here, he'll be off for an, a, a short period of time, but maybe not too long off because I would like to see Sammy back in the ring. Yeah. Uh, and then Schlong, the last thing I have is we we were talking about the young bucks last week that they're spending time away from wrestling that BTE is over being the elite well it looks like schlong it's under new management uh because after the bucks finished up with BTE uh it's been taken over by the dark order to create being the dark order uh their de- debut episode dropped this week so you can go check it out but schlong are you here for being the dark order Completely. Um, Evil Uno's a genius businessman to buy it, even though he spent all their Chili's money. Um, I think I think it goes to show that even ending BTE was not actually like a thing. Like they are clearly they're they're doing something with with the 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 Bucks. And I like it. I, I think Heel Bucks are a much better buck Bucks team, so we'll see. But yeah, I think it's smart because you know what? It wasn't just it got obviously BTE got the Bucks over. It started the whole thing, but it wasn't just for them. There was a lot of people that got over because of BTE. So I would have hated to see that go. So make use of it with being the Dark Order. Yeah, I haven't watched it, but I'm going to check it out because they were tons of fun when they had, you know, time on BTE. So, um, so we'll see what happens with being the Dark Order. But I know what's going to happen now, Ryan. We are at the end. That's all I had. So we're going to start wrapping this up. Schlong, what do you want to plug? Uh, you can follow me on all our socials at um at Mark Order Pod. 
And then you can follow my history blog here for history.com on Twitter at underscore here for history. Definitely check out the blog. As Ryan said, check us out on our socials at Mark order pod. Uh, if you're connected with us on one of the socials and you go to the link tree in our bio, we have links to all of our social platforms too, or our social accounts. So uh, feel free to use that to make your life a little easier. Um, and we want to thank everybody who's been uh, listening and chatting along all night. The, uh, you know, one LT photos of the world, um, you know, pieces. Uh, SJ was hanging out for a long time. Gordon Post. Uh, Mrs. Money checked in for a while. Uh, Scott George. So thank you to everybody who's been watching along with us live tonight. If I left you out, it's not personal. I just can't scroll back uh, that far. Um, but, um, the important thing is that if you are watching along, please make sure to hit the subscribe button. We can use the subscribers. We're trying to get to 500 and we are saying 500 wins a date with Kate, uh, more details to come. The other thing though, is if you want to, uh, if you're listening to us in podcast form, we greatly appreciate you too. make sure in, in your podcast platforms, you're subscribing to us too, liking, rating, reviewing, uh, all that helps us out. Um, but definitely check us out on YouTube as well. Um, so long. The other thing we're asking people to do if they have the means to financially is to head over to our pro wrestling tea store and pick up a Mark order podcast podcast t-shirt. Christmas is coming. Get the perfect gift for everybody. You know, a Mark order podcast t-shirt. Um, you could also get there from our link tree. You can go to pro wrestling tees.com slash Mark order pod. Or you could search the Mark Order podcast on um, on Pro Wrestling Tees, and we will, um, you know, we will uh, appreciate any sales that we get. Uh, so thank you in advance to anybody uh, who decides they want to buy a T-shirt. Uh, other than that, um, other than that, Ryan, we're going to be back next week after our. Uh, uh, the latest episode of dynamite, we're going to talk more continental uh, classic tournament because that's what's going on right now. All of the MJF stuff. So the, the show looks like it's got potential next week. Uh, so check out dynamite next week and then come right back here at 10 15 on YouTube, uh, to, uh, chat along and, and talk about what you thought about the show. So schlong, uh, I'm glad you had a good Thanksgiving. Um, you know, and that your bird wasn't too dried out. Thank you. It was delicious. And I'm glad you had a good Thanksgiving too. And I will see you next week. Sounds good, sir. We should have maybe a full house next week. I don't know anymore. I have no idea, but I know I'll be here. Ryan will be here and uh, we will see you back here next week on the Mark order podcast.
This concludes the Mark Order Podcast. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Join the Mark Order.